very different people. We're not Watusi. We're not Spartans. We're Americans with a capital A, huh? You know what that means? Do you? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. We are the wretched refuse. We're the underdog. We're mutts. But there's no animal that's more faithful, that's more loyal, more lovable than the mutt. Who saw Old Yeller? Who cried when Old Yeller got shot at the end? Nobody cried when Old Yeller got shot, I'm sure. I cried my eyes out. So we're all dog faces. We're all very, very different. But there is one thing that we all have in common. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Something seriously wrong with us. We're soldiers. But we're American soldiers. We've been kicking ass for 200 years. We're 10 and 1. Now, we don't have to worry about whether or not we've practiced. We don't have to worry about whether Captain Stillman wants to have us hung. All we have to do is to be the great American fighting soldier that is inside each one of us. Now do what I do and say what I say and make me proud. Fall in? Yeah! on IBC. You'll love it. Oh my gosh, does that suck? We have spent $40 million on a live TV show. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Now, I have to kill all of you. Excuse me, sir. Uh, I don't want to be out of line here, but, um, well, we've been running that spot now for over a month, and, well, it's getting a hell of a response. I am the youngest president in the history of television for a reason. I know the people. Well, uh, granted, but the people already want to watch the show. That isn't good enough! They have got to be so scared to miss it, so terrified! Now, if I were in charge, here's the kind of thing I would have done. Grace, cue it up. Today, today we celebrate our Independence Day, don't we? I'm sorry. All right. 
aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps despite today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for So filled with shame. As well, you should be. All right. But that you know, was a very beautiful compilation. You and if we hadn't done that, if you'd gone home today, you would have been filled with self-loathing all weekend. I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, Phil <laughs> Pullman. I really did. I thought that. I'm like, I cannot forget tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. I just like the idea that you woke up in the middle of the night thinking of Bill Pullman. That really uh, makes the whole thing worthwhile. What young girl doesn't dream of Bill Pullman? Uh huh. It's 12 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live, my friends, not on tape, not via Memorex, not via some form of electronic transcription. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, and welcome to Day 12. It is our annual Christmas in July program. It is Friday, July 4th. Uh, we are here and uh, so forth. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970 if you want you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. For your comments, questions, clarifications, two senses, uh, two senses. Well, it is a holiday. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane... <coughs> Or the what have you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you want to email us today, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Uh, Richie with a T at 970.am. Or Radio Tim Ryan at hotmail.com. Uh, and uh, hello and howdy and uh, whatnot. All right, it's Friday. It's the 4th of July. Uh, so we're here. We're live. Thank you for coming by. Hold on a second. Hey, Richard Bristol, do we have anything to give away today? Yeah. <laughs> okay, to be fair, I didn't ask him what. What do, What have we to give away today? Prizes. Pirates? Prizes. Oh. Let me check. All right, thank you. All right, Sarah had a fantastic idea uh, for a 4th of July giveaway, which we, uh, which we may do later on today. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503 503- 733-2970. Good to see my allergies are out in full force, and it's only, I don't know, 15 minutes after the hour. That's great. That's wonderful. All right. You had asked a question yesterday that I don't have the answer to, which is, 
not to be all gross about it, but which is why does your nose itch when you have allergies? Totally. It doesn't make any sense. I have and no like, explanation. It with me. Like, and then, like, yesterday during the day, my nose was itching, and then at night, my eyes were itching, which eyes seem like they make more sense to like, these big, squishy, wet balls in the front of your face. <laughs> Did you say squishy, wet balls in the front of your face? <laughs> yes, she did. Zam, an oscillating fan. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Happy Fourth of July. Uh, we have an, uh, It's the Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel? All right, fantastic. Uh, so we have the Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel on DVD. What's more American than Evil Knievel? That's, you know what might be more American than that? Uh, we have a Night of the Champions prize pack in the WWE. So you know what? We'll give you... It'll be dealer's choice today. Or no, that's not the thing. What is it, What is the cho- player's choice? Whatever it is. Uh, so we'll do a, a, a little contesting later on for that as a reward for you listening today uh, on the 4th of July. And a pair of tickets to Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richie. I appreciate that. Good for you. All right, it's Christmas in July, which means that coming up later on today, we'll have uh, Rick Emerson's Behind the Christmas, which has become a tradition all its own. Now in its seventh grade year. Jesus, it's hard Except to believe. for now we're not lighting things, up, like, you know, burning things in the parking lot. We're not setting things on fire. Uh, we're not deep frying anything in the parking lot. Nobody's juggling anything, and we're not... I was talking to Susan Reynolds about this the other day, because we used to be in that building right next door uh, way back in the day. And I, I think about the stuff that we did that was clearly dangerous and undoubtedly illegal, and that we would never be allowed to do now. I mean, not just Rob... There wasn't a Rob that came down was juggling fire at one point. It was, uh, it was, I know Rob was there. I think it was Rob and maybe buddy. Tony? Yeah. Uh, I think it was Tony, actually. And he was, it. and it was like a juggling thing, but at one point he set the juggling sticks on fire and he was literally juggling fire in the parking lot during the middle of the summer. Uh, and then we had Matt setting up that huge, big ass, like, hillbilly deep fryer of his and like deep frying a whole turkey out of the steps. Which, I mean, I guess better than deep frying it indoor, but you think about it, kick that over, man. That would have been like third-degree burns all over you. That would have been, uh, that would have been months in a burn ward taking morphine every five minutes. So we did that. I remember one point we blew up a watermelon in the parking lot. Like, we jammed a watermelon full of explosives and then blew it all to hell. And a spam can. And that's the thing. And a can of spam with a man named Fam. With a fan. Stop. Uh, but I think we blew up a can of Spam that was, I think it was still in the can at one point, actually, which seems staggeringly dangerous. I mean, like, even for us, that seems dumb. Anyway, um, so we won't be blowing anything up today, but we will have uh, Behind the Christmas uh, coming up today, uh, an original radio production of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We will also have Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her. Yeah, so you... I haven't heard that in so long. I haven't heard it since we did it. So if you missed that in December... Uh, this will be your first chance uh, to hear broadcast again. So we'll be doing that later on today. Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, which is the live radio play uh, we did last December. What else? Aaron Duran will join us here in a short while. We'll do the top five overlooked Queen songs uh, of all time. Top five overlooked Queen songs. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum here in a while. He's at the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest happening in Coney Island right now. And here's the thing. I don't know the outcome. So, I do. So, see, don't tell me, though. Don't. I'm telling you right now. The winner is... Seriously, I'm not screwing around. I want to. I want to have it. I'm just what screwing around. I want to have it revealed to me by Steve later on because there's all of this gripping tension. And we can take it. And yeah, we can break a little layer too. We can take this opening segment for a while because we're not having it until 50. So I'm shocked if who won. I'll tell you that. Timmy Ryan. I'm shocked. Does somebody need to go up back? Uh, no, I kept it because there's that TV on the way to the bathroom in the in the, the sort of processing right, room there. Right, that's where I found out. And I kept walking by, and they kept and they kept doing that same thing. I would walk by the television on the way to the bathroom, and it would. And I can't believe that the winner is. And then I would just have to turn away. I would have to avert my eyes. Rick, you know what I think you should answer? 
instead of a hot dog eating competition, perhaps a uh, bacon eating competition? That's a great idea. You can have that. There you go. I mean, I'm against eating bacon since I'm a vegan, but, you know. Bacon eating You're a eating vegan? Concept. I didn't know. I can't believe it's been 10 minutes and you didn't mention that you were a vegan. That's just crazy. There you go. You're blowing my mind I'm, like, to I'm, me, a, I'm against. I'm against eating animals, but, you know, since you do eat bacon animals. Bacon eating Why don't contest. you have the uh, Rick Emerson vegan eat-off? That is... Uh -huh. no, did I say vegan? I mean bacon. Bacon eating, eating contest. That's a fantastic idea. All right, you've earned your keep just with that suggestion today. Uh, all right, what else is coming up today? Uh, penis watch, a double snuff watch, half sad, half wonderful. Uh, so uh, we'll get to that. Let's see, what else? Um, well, I guess it's kind of it for now. There's a whole pile of other things. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls here in a few, uh, and so forth. So uh, we have uh, so we have the top five Overlook Queen songs. Steve Kastenbaum for the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Double Snuff Watch. Penis Watch. Uh, Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her. Behind the Christmas. A selection of Christmas favorites, and uh, so forth. Timmy Ryan in for Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Oh, yeah, no special Christmas song, huh? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. A very, very special Christmas song. Man, we got all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned before, we got two people that are dead. One of them sad. The other one just really goddamn great. Well, there was, I mean, th there really are people that spend their entire lives kind of asking for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So first, Jerry, it's sort of Jerry Falwell's political twin. Uh, so we'll talk about that here in just a while. A special place in hell has been filled. Hell is a little bit brighter today. I, if you've viewed YouTube, guess what? They're going to reveal who you are. YouTube viewers have been ordered to uh, be released to the um, the companies that want to find out who you are. That, that doesn't make any what sense. That, <laughs> that story, that headline made no sense at all. YouTube wants to know who you, you are. Okay, the YouTube viewers have been ordered to be released. You know what makes this difficult to follow is huh. the word you, you as YouTube you. and then you as in me. That doesn't make any sense either. Okay. You know what I'm saying. All right, whatever. All right. Keep on heckling me. I mean, yesterday the iron was put through the fire, so I think I can withstand anything. Bastards. I'm just saying that the, 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 the linguistic makeup of the sentence makes it a little bit difficult to follow. What else are you working on today, Timmy Ryan? Oh, okay. A, uh, a congressman comes up with yet another useless gas price solution. There you go. All right. Is that it? Uh, well, there's kind of one interesting one. Another one. Rachel Ray is being sued by an anorexic. Really? Yeah. Boy, have you seen Rachel Ray? She's not an anorexic uh, wow. right now. <laughs> wow. Ooh, burn. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to find. A, I was trying to. I was trying to find a way to put it. I didn't want to go like. Curves, I didn't want to say like, she's fat because she's not really fat. But I mean, if you see like, <laughs> that really was the lamest, the lamest thing I could have said. You know, you're not an anorexic. In your face. I would like to do Rachel Ray and then have her go like make me breakfast afterwards, and she make a pretty good breakfast. All right. I'm so glad it's a holiday. I'm so glad that these these uh, Beaumonts are not being used during the regular broadcasting week. Um, it, the thing about I mean, I still find I Rachel. These days, I don't feel like anyone's listening, which is glorious because that means people, that we're loopy. I see them right here. The people on hold right now listening. Yeah. So, um, the, the thing about Rachel Ray is, I mean, she's I mean, she's a. I don't. She's not sexy at all. She's sort of cute. She, you know what it is? Rachel Ray is like the Sandra Bullock of the cooking world. Uh, she's not sexy, but I mean, she's attractive in her way. But if you look at magazine covers over the last, ever since her husband dumped her, um, over the last six months, it's sort of like seeing that time, that time lapse photography in science class about the life cycle of a rose. It's like she, if you look at her now, and then you look at her six months ago, you can see the difference. If you were just watching the magazine covers over the last half a year, you probably didn't notice because it was about seven pounds every month. You know, the five to seven pounds, you know, every every couple of months trick. But Have you ever watched a... the Cooking Network? 
Um, well, the, the Food Network? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, well, yeah. it just depends on what's on. Uh, there's certain things on the Food Andre. Network that I can take, and there's certain things I can't. Giada De Laurentiis. Oh, no, the see, I know girl. her. Oh, oh she's she hot. the hell out of me. Oh, she's hot. I know she's hot, but I can't watch that show. because it's Because it's too snooty. It's like, uh, you know what it is? That, what is her name? Giada De Laurentiis, or it's like Giada De Laurentiis. Here, here's the, I can't watch that woman on the Food Network, and I do watch the Food Network, but I can't watch her, and I can't watch... Who is that sort of older Paula kind Dean? of stout lady? The fat chick? The yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The big fat woman? I wasn't going to say fat. I was going to say stout. Oh, she's huge. She's a woman of... Everything is deep fryer contains bacon. A woman of size. Yeah. Um, well, and also that show just makes me feel... That show just makes me feel low class. It's like listening to that. Um, have you ever heard that uh, that that NPR thing, the Splendid Table? Yeah. The Splendid Table is the worst thing in the history of radio. That show is like some sort of. It's like it's like Sominex that has been tightly compressed and turned into audio. Um, it, the Splendid Table is the sort of thing that you could really only do on NPR, where ratings and listeners don't really matter. Where it doesn't really matter if you're being entertaining or not, because you know. Because you just because you get government funding and so you'll be there every single year. Um, the Splendid Table is where they will literally do like an entire hour talking about salt. And there's really only so much one can say about salt as an ingredient, a spice, a thing. This is, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I mean, there's really not many layers to that. And of course, since it's NPR, it's like. This hour we're gonna talk about salt. Exactly. And its many uses. But with like, uh, <laughs> but with like jazz music underneath, like this sort of this sort of weird like this sort of like sub Gershwin music happening in the background. This week we talked to David Herschel about the many uses of salt, <laughs> and uh, later on we'll be talking to Mary Stevenson who runs the local salt factory. That's exact. That's exactly Tim what it Ryan, is. Ryan, you got a future there. All right, I was just gonna say it just doesn't work out. I almost got hired by OPB at one point. Really? Yeah, I'm glad I turned it down. Were you gonna be one of the guys in the background? And answering a phone, which rings even though phones don't have ringers anymore. No, no, I was going to work at the uh, the OPB uh, studio in Corvallis. That's an exciting. Back game. when I was eighteen, yeah, I yeah. kind of turned it down though. Yeah, all right. Well, in any event, uh, Food Network, blah blah blah, Rachel Ray, whatever. All uh, kinds of cool stuff today. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. All right. Big plans for your Fourth of July? Indeed, I am going to. Um a barbecue right after the show, uh, and then I'm going to this uh, block party that, um, I guess they, they've shut off a couple streets in my neighborhood, and they're going to have a huge adult slip and slide, and like 10 bands are playing. Fantastic. Should be pretty fun. Excelente. So I'm spending quality time with the Mupp Man right now, because he cannot fit on the bicycle with me. No, and... So we're going to be biking around. Does Muppet behave well at barbecues or outdoor eating functions? He does. He, he's more of an explorer, so like I, I just worry about him wandering off somewhere, cause yeah. and it's constantly like I can't ever relax. I'm always like, Muppet, Muppet, yeah. and I start to annoy myself because I don't see him for Well, because you don't want to be that dog owner. You mm-hmm. want to be, you don't want to be the person like that has the bad kid that's screaming its head off in a restaurant. No, you want to be conscientious. He's, he's very adorable and he usually does well with other dogs. But it's just like, it's going to be warm and, you know, it's cooler in my house. So. I hate to be this guy. Is it hot out? It, it was sort of warm, but it's it wasn't getting, hot. It's muggy. Really? Is it going to be sticky. humid? It's going to be warm. Jesus, can I tell you this? I mean, I, I hate to be the guy talking about, you know, and I bicycled the other day, but really, I did bicycle the other day and I... It, 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 uh, for the first time in a long time, I actually was bicycling home, I think on either Tuesday or Wednesday, and it was so freaking humid and hot, I had to do something I almost never do, which is just to pull over to the side of the road and just wheeze for a while. Uh, I was on, uh, I was getting near, uh, like, 20, like, Burgerville, like, on 26th and Powell, like, that around that area, and I actually, at one point, had to just pull over and just go, because <gasps> you know, I felt like I was going to die. Did you stop into the Burgerville? No, I didn't. <laughs> that, that's what'll make this bicycle ride a lot easier. Let me get some green. Grease. Grease me up, woman. 
Uh, all right, this email says, Rick, damn you, Rick Emerson. You need to be a little more careful when you're putting together the opening movie speeches for the top of the show. It didn't really hit me until the Scrooge sound clip, but then I had to wait through moments of heartache wondering to see if Bill Murray had died. Uh, I was thinking to myself, God, no, first Carlin, now oh, Murray. No. Oh. Turns out he's still alive, damn you, Rick Emerson. No, it's just because we play the Stripes thing yeah, every 4th of, of July. Because I'm like, wait, this sounds like Scrooge, but they sort of talking about the military. See, I was, that, that was my thing, is I put together the uh, the Stripes opening, which I stole from Mike Chase, by the way, that idea. Um, and and then I was trying to find a Christmas, you know, because it's 4th of July, but then we do the Christmas in July. So I was trying to find a Christmas speech, and I was like, Bad Santa, South Park, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. And then I saw Scrooge, and I realized, bada bing, it's a theme uh, with Bill Murray. So there you go. Uh, well, it's 11, uh, what, 28? And so forth? It's 27. All right. Well... If you want to be nitpicky. So we we got a couple of things. So we've got, um... So we've got a couple of things. We've, we've got some phone calls to get to. Uh, we'll probably do Aaron's top five earlier. Okay. Like, maybe even this hour. Because I don't want to not get to it. we don't have a lot of, you know... Like, it doesn't have to be a solid news hour like we usually do. We have no plans today. Timmy Ryan. Uh, and then at one thirty we have uh, Behind the Christmas, and then at 2 o'clock we have Ebenezer, I barely knew her. Should we talk a little bit about the aborted Christmas song? I, I suspect yes. that we should. Is it aborted officially? <sighs> yes. I think we should play the, it the once. Plug, the plug has been pulled. I'm sorry. That I've made, sucks. I've made an executive decision. I'd like to point out, and this is not to shine my own shoes, I How many here, hours did you spend working on I was here... From the time we uh, we got done doing the show yesterday, uh, at three till about one in the morning. It is true, and I know this because you were calling me last night and asking me about it. So here's the thing: we had what I thought and what I think was a really great idea, and I, I still s- think that it could be done in a different way, and it would be. I, I think, think it could still work. Take another pass at it. I think. Yeah, I think so too. So let me say this, and I say this uh, to me, Ryan, without sarcasm. This is I mean this in an absolutely sincere fashion. Uh-huh. Uh, I know you really did. And this sounds like a backhanded compliment. I'm even doing that. So you you did the best you could, trying to you you tried to make it work. We had this parody song uh, that was written and that I thought was thought was pretty funny, and so we everybody was kind of laying down their parts yesterday. And the thing is, the problem is the song, which I will not identify right now because I would like to take another crack at it at some point. The song is is, and I know every singer uses this as an excuse, but the song does seem to be deliberately written in some sort of weird middle range that almost no one can reach, and so it was like. Too low for Sarah. It was too high for me. It was just flat out impossible uh, for Richie. <laughs> Richie, who sounds... Richie sounds like a foghorn. I don't mean foghorn leghorn. I mean a foghorn. Like... That's what Richie sounds like. No offense. How did I do? You were okay. You were actually... Of all oh. the people who sang on it, you were actually the... I mean that in all seriousness. You were the best singer on the entire thing. Paddock sound kind of good. It's it, it, Everybody, I mean, everybody kind of had their moments where they worked. Everybody kind of had their moments where it was difficult. Uh, I say trying to be as diplomatic as possible. Good. I thought Sarah did really good. I just think that, that no one that was able to really, note, oh. no one was really able to, to nail the song all the way through. Everybody had their moments where it was sort of challenging. So, so do I have to delete the song? Yes. yes so the do. song cannot be leaked out? No. No, it cannot. Because, Sorry, because, because, because here's the thing, is it, because I do want to take another pass at it. Uh, and I don't want... I think we can do it, and I think we can make it sound good, and I think people will like it. I, and I say that not trying to wax my surfboard here, but I do think that it'll work. Uh, I think... And so, Tim, anyway, so I'm at home last night, and so so Timmy uh, calls me. He's like, hey, so it's 10.30. I just finished this first mix down on the song. Let me, let me send it to you. I'm like, all right. And I sent it to me, and I listened to it. And I got about halfway through it, and I just thought to myself, 
this is not going to work. Um, and and again, I, and I know you really gave it the old college try. Well, as you as we were talking about last night, I mean, when you get down to it, it was really like producing an Ashley Simpson album. <laughs> Seriously, just trying to pitch shift every single note. Exactly. I mean, there's. Just... And I'm not exempting myself from that. There were moments. There was this one line in the song that I demanded to sing up front. That's how egotistical I was. I'm like, you know, I don't care who sings what, but this one line, I'm singing that one. And so then I get into the studio yesterday, and what do I do? I ch- I choked. I choked like somebody had force-fed me a basket of chicken bones. I just uh, went in there and just... Just, just completely just... just well, you know what we should crap. do? After we, uh, you know, if we ever do the song again and we make it successful, we should take the dry parts and have a little comedy segment. Well, see, that... See, here, I would almost be open to that. Mm-hmm. If someday, if we can make this song work, if we can actually pull it off at some point yeah. and play that one and get that one in people's heads first... Then I would almost be open to playing some of some of the, you know, some of this one that is I think not going to work. So, I just, uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like it's in this middle ground. And I know I'm talking about a thing nobody's going to hear, but so this parody song that Timmy spent all night trying to produce, I feel like it's not truly bad enough to be great. Like it's not abysmally bad, but it's also not good enough to really be playable. It's in this awkward middle ground. So we're going to put that in the graveyard of failed experiments for now. Uh, and we'll take another crack at it. For the right price, though, someone could pick it up. You know, here's the thing. I have faith in you, though, because you produced that if you like Barack Obama song, which turned out very, le- which I think was legitimately good. So we know that we can do these things. And I, I no, I mean, I, I think I did the very, very best that I could. With you the did. Song. And that, no, you didn't suck. Sarah sounded well, really well. She sounded the best out of everybody. Let's not get into talking about who sounded good and who no. didn't, except that Richie sounded terrible. Well, everybody sounded great. Everybody sounded fantastic. That's what I'm saying. And it's because of Richie we had to dump it. Yes, Richie, it's all your fault. Richie, if you would have not sucked, we could have been, you know, playing it right now. Those are ribbons of shame! All right. (sighs) Jesus, it's 11.35. Where does the time go? All right. What's with your watch? It's like speeding up. It's only 11.30. <laughs> really? My watch says it's 11.35. All right, so it's 11.30. Your watch. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, well, let's take a couple of these... Um, Let's take a couple of these calls, then we should break, maybe come back with Aaron's Top 5, then Steve Kastenbaum. What say, everybody? Yay! <laughs> that was the most lackluster <laughs> affirmation. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Happy Fourth of July. Hello. Hello? What's up? Hey, how you doing? What do you got? Oh, not much. I just want to say uh, thanks a bunch. I'm flattered and honored you guys use my photo on the show's MySpace. Oh, did you make the White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel shirt? I did. White oh, Wheat Sourdough awesome. English Muffin Bagel. White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. Uh, if you go to the Rick Emerson Show's My Space page, uh, that is, yeah, so you are the guy in the green shirt, and it says White Wheat Sourdough English Muffin Bagel. That's me. Excellent. Good. Uh, where did you get that made, sir? Or did you do it at home? Uh, uh, I got it made at Gen X. Uh, how much did it cost you? Uh... Thirteen bucks altogether. Excellent. Uh, I Thank love you, my Gen friend. X. That's one of my favorite stores. <laughs> that, that really is flattering that you would take the time to put something like that in a shirt and then send it to us. That is our space picture right now. Well done for you, sir. Thank you. Oh, thanks a bunch. Thank you, my friend. Happy Fourth of July. You too, friend. All right, there take you go. Take care. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, this is uh, Frank, and I just wanted to see if you could, uh, at some point, play uh, Shooter Jennings. Uh, oh, Fourth of July. July. Yeah. That you know, I totally. Speaking of things I would have forgotten, like Independence Day, I totally would have forgotten to play Fourth of July, which is really a truly wonderful song. It is. It's an awesome song. Thanks for introducing right. me to that. That was great. All right. Yeah. We'll. Uh, all right. We'll play that later on today, sir. Thank you. Thanks Happy Fourth of July. There you go. Yeah. Shooter Jennings, Fourth of July. That's a great song. We'll play that. Uh, all right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Aaron Duran. Hello. 
No. All right, we'll come back with Aaron Duran, his top five overlooked Queen songs. Steve Kastenbaum from Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Uh, the New News Hour with Timmy Ryan. Uh, behind the Christmas, Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, and more. We're live on the 4th of July. Stay there. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. It is 4th of July. It is our annual Christmas in July program. I just totally failed at hitting that post right there. It was a Christmas choke is what sure that was. Big pile of fail. Thank you. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio New York from the Nathan's uh, Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Uh, the new news hour with Timmy Ryan, uh, Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, our last uh, year's radio play. Uh, we'll also do Behind the Christmas and uh, so forth. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from geekinthecity.com, our good friend Aaron Geek in the City Durant. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. I was waiting for something. Yeah, I don't have it gone. I know. I keep forgetting to find it. You should tell me what you want your theme to be. Because I'll, bring, I'll bring it in next time. Yeah. I actually have something. I've lost the uh, the, the, the no the, the beds. So. I'm done with Star Wars. Really? Have you well, moved, not permanently, <laughs> but moved on. I don't need to hear Vader every time anymore. Yeah. Like, I still watch it, but, you know, I mean... You've just filed it away in your head in the de- into deep storage? Yeah, every once in a while, I'm like, you know, I'm going to watch Let me Empire. ask you this. Hold on. Just, uh, have you... I was just going to ask you that. Have you, since they came out on DV, DVD, sat down and intentionally put in any of the you know, the prequel it's trilogy and watched them? And uh, you said, I got to see Attack of the Clones today. Uh, Sith, I will do. Really? Yeah, the, but the you, other ones, no. The no. others you own just for the sake of owning them, right? Pretty That's much it. so I can look at my DVD shelf and say, ah, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. <laughs> Actually, mine goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 4. 1, 5, 6. What is 4.1? Troops. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I think I missed. Uh, was there a Clone Wars trailer that's out now? I think I might have yeah, missed it I when I went to care. see. It just looks stupid. I'm yeah. not, well, it doesn't look stupid. I just don't care. Uh, <laughs> Nothing's going to be better than what Tartowski did anyway. So what's the point of revisiting it? Here's the only thing, and I think Court and Fatboy made this observation: is you see the, the trailer for the Clone Wars, and here's the only thing that it, that it does is it gives me it it. it I would almost, at this point, maybe like to see the original trilogy done in animation. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be that cool would be like anime style. That though. would almost be kind of cool. But again, even then, it would just be sort of a novelty because it's not going to. It's like a special edition. It's not going to replace anything. No, no. For you, so. But it'd be cool, yeah, to do the original trilogy look kind of like you know, Fist of the North Star. Yes. You know. Whatever that is. Oh, never mind. And the kung fu with explodey heads when they punch them. Oh, you actually have a review today too. Uh, no, I don't. Scott I, thought you, I thought you saw Hancock. We were going to see Hancock, and we put, couldn't pull it off, unfortunately. Oh, that's... Apparently, though, it doesn't really matter, because it's ass. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the reviews are pretty... And, My know... friend saw it, and he said that it was just terrible, and he... God love him. He doesn't have the best taste in movies either. And he's just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And he and he loves Will Smith. I've heard it's, it, the biggest problem with Hancock is it's a big waste of potential. Yeah, that's that's and and you know what? Here's the thing: is I love Charlize Theron. I love Will Smith. I love Peter Berg, the director. Uh, the guy who directed Hancock did very bad things. 
He did The Kingdom, and he did Friday Night Lights, which is like the best sports movie of the last 15 years. Uh, so it's like it is just all of this squandered. T- you know what? And here's and the story of Will Smith. Does it seem? Oh, Scott Dahlia just wrote a message saying he's coming in later. I thought he was at the St. Paul Rodeo all the day. I thought so, too. Well, okay. Uh, so, in any event, the, the the story of Will Smith, though, is the story so often of just a squandered idea, squandered talent, squandered whatever. See, also, uh, I Am Legend, which was which had greatness within it, it in its grasp. It was good, mm-hmm. but it could have been great, and that's the really frustrating have thing about it. Have you seen the DVD with the original ending? I saw it online. I watched the that original ending on the that. Ending. It's, it, to me, the thing about I Am Legend, which, again, I really did like... I mean, I give it a, I give it maybe a, a, a three out of four. Yeah, you know, is that it, it all falls apart with the CGI vampires. Uh, that's the thing. That's what stops it from being a great. Now, have you film heard to the me. real reason why they actually went with CGI vampires? Well, uh, what I heard is that they got halfway into the filming that they were using practical makeup and effects, yeah. humans in makeup, which I think would have looked better, and that they got halfway through and scrapped that and went to CGI, but I don't know why. The reason I'd heard is, the reason why they were doing it is that their stunt people who played all the vampires were passing out from hyperventilating constantly. Oh, well, seriously, Because they were, they were trying to do that really fast breathing. Which, you, know, you know, it might be just them trying to cover up the fact that they cheaped out and went CGI. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, that's, if they had just, if the vampires had not looked so terribly cartoony and fake, I think it would have been a great film. As it stands now, sort of a good film. Yeah, at the beginning, that, that. That, that fear of dread, that feeling of dread that it gave you. you know, when right he closed oh, yeah. all the doors. When oh, the yeah. dog runs into that warehouse. Totally, yeah. Oh, my God. And, I saw that. And then all of a sudden you see the things. It's like, ugh. They just, yeah, and it just looks like, it, they just look like every other CGI creature in every other sort of movie like that. But, but, but again, the, the frustrating thing about I Am Legend is that it's just, there are moments where it's so good. Yeah. I mean, that first 20 minutes showing his daily ritual uh, is wonderful. Uh, the art direction where they show the sort of, you know, when they show all those all those aerial shots of Manhattan where the buildings are all, like, with the netting over them. Or the vines retaking the land. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that stuff is all fantastic. It's sort of, uh, I am legend kind of has the, uh, yeah, and it has, <laughs> it has, like, the 28 days later thing where it's got that gripping opening 25 minutes. And then the film just sort of gradually spirals yeah. downward a little bit and never really recovers. So well, apparently the best thing about Hancock is the small moments when Jason Bateman's on screen. Jason Bateman is great. So you know, and you got to and you got to like a movie that puts Jason Bateman and Charlize Theron back together again. So. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. They yeah. Didn't click mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-mm. So do we have time to do the top five here? Um, we only have four minutes until Mr. Castenbaum. I don't know what to do. Um. Well, all right. So we've got. Uh, let's see. What Plus, we... you have to get the CD still. Oh, is that? It's out in Sarah's car. Oh, yeah. Then. All right. Uh, well, let's see here. I'm looking here, and I'm seeing, I'm trying to see. Oh, you know what we could do? Um, no, that doesn't really work, Katie. Seriously, like, so oh, anybody most, know any good jokes? <laughs> <laughs> it really just is the most awkward four minutes here. Um, so you know what we could actually do is this, Sarah. We yeah. could actually break here. Okay. Come back with Steve, and then just sweep the top. Sweep the top, Johnny. Uh, sweep the top, and we'll come back, and we'll go right at the noon news hour. Fantastic. All right. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. We'll have the results on that. Later on, the top five, the new news hour, Ebenezer, I barely knew her, and behind the Christmas. Stay there. Yeah. 
in less than an hour aircraft from here will join others from around the world, and you will be launching the largest aerial panel in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps space today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Emerson Radio Program. Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Bought me a diamond ring for Christmas. I feel like I'm in paradise. It's my favorite Christmas song, by the way. Otis Redding. It's 503. 733-2970. 503-733-2970. What? I thought Father Christmas... Well, I, that's, I guess Father Christmas is my... I, in terms of rock Christmas songs, I would say that I have three Christmas songs. You have your hymns, you have your secular rock, and then you have other. I, you know, my favorite Christmas hymn is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Probably, uh, Father Christmas is probably my favorite... My favorite secular Christmas song, but I would say this is a very close second. I mean, this is really just such a beautiful song. This is really among among the best things that's ever been recorded anywhere, ever. All right, it's 503-733-2970. It is our annual Christmas in July program. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, with the one and only Steve Kastenbaum, whose theme music will grace our airwaves any moment now. <laughs> There we go. Fantastic. Wonderful. It's the best day ever. It's flawless today, I tell you. Hi, Steve. How are you? Rick, I have crossed a new mile. I have reached a new milestone today. I have actually become a play-by-play sports announcer. Is that a step forward or a step back? If you consider this to be a sport... I think it may be a step forward. Excellent. All right. So this is now what? So what? Give, give me everything. So you're at Nathan's Hot Dogs this morning. Nathan's Famous. What time do you show up? I show up at Nathan's Hot Dog uh, at Nathan's Famous on the boardwalk at uh, at about uh, 8 a.m. this morning, and all of a sudden I find out I'm going to start doing some stuff in front of the camera along with the very well-known uh, CNN TV reporter Alan Chernoff. That CNN.com they do their own live 24-hour news stream. Uh, just as you, if you would see uh, a product on TV, except it's just for the Internet. So people will watch the news, but only our Internet broadcast. And I wound up doing some uh, some live hits uh, in front of the camera at what I believe is the best uh, uh, competition in New York City, hands down, annually. So now, is, is, is this a thing we're going to be able to, can we watch this online? Is this uh, archived? Yes. This is what's so amazing. If you go to uh, CNN's video on demand section... The first 
uh, stand-up, as they call it, uh, that I did with Alan. If you if you search the Alan's last name, Chernoff, C-H-E-R-N-O-F-F, and uh, Hot Dog, it should come up in Video On Demand. All right, just so search Hot Dog. We're going to CNN.com, and I'm clicking on the video section. Yes. So while you do that, while you search for hot dog, when you go to video on demand, I will let you know that this was a magical day. Unbelievable history was made. At the end of 10 minutes, Joey, the Jaws chestnut, was tied with Takeru Kobayashi, 59 hot dogs each. They kept pace with each other. The entire competition, a nail-biter. So then it went down to a sudden death overtime. They somehow found room for five more hot dogs. The first man to down those five hot dogs would win the contest. Wouldn't you know it, Joey Jaws Chestnut did it first. He did it with class, and he retained the mustard belt in the U.S. for another year. Fantastic. Actually, good to see that the belt stays at home where it belongs, my friend. It really does. I don't know if you had a chance to watch ESPN's coverage for this, but they went all out. They put production into this this year that you know, equals what they would do for the World Series. This Okay, so I'm looking at CNN.com here, and let's see. Uh, there's one called Hot Dog Chowdown, uh, and there's one called Hot Dog Hero, uh, both from... I think, I think it might be the Chowdown one. Uh, see, see if that's it, if, if, if it's from today. Let me, uh, let me bring this up here on the, the lightning-fast CBS Radio Portland Internet Connection, uh, and we'll see if this... Uh, let's see here. Um, we know why we're here. Stand behind. Oh, for the love of, I'm sorry, I always plus forget. They, that. Plus, I gotta play a commercial. Plus, we gotta play a commercial. All right, so, we're, so we have to pay the bills. So you they, know. but they tied. Is this the first time at the hot dog eating contest that there has ever been a tie? Has this ever happened before? As far as we know, in recent history, that being the last couple of decades, this is the last time, uh, first time we've had a tie like this. Yes. Excellent. And say, and so let me ask you this. So watching this, watching this contest, where what they tied at 59? Is that what you said? Tied at 59, it, not even like 59 and 58 and three quarters. They had exactly the same number of hot dogs. All right, so let me bring up the CNN video here. Well, on to New York for some fun. The mustard belt is on the line. The world's greatest competitive eaters will be in Coney Island today for the annual Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. By the way, I'll put a link to this on my site later on, but if you want to watch this, you can go to CNN.com, you click Video, and then you type in churn off hot dog. So I'm not playing this. This is the thing that you... Uh, Six-time champion Takaro Kobayashi will try to win back his title after losing... To okay, can I tell you this? This Kobayashi guy... It, 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 first of all, he doesn't look like I remember him looking. Has he done something with his hair? He's got Sarah Dillon's hair. He changed his hair color to match uh, the mustard and the ketchup at Nathan's. It really is as though Sarah Dillon has become an Asian man. It's kind of unnerving, actually. It, it is pretty funny, isn't uh, it? So we'll continue this here in a moment. I want you to check out this guy's hair. Last year's champ, Joey Chestnut, yeah. he scarfed a record All right. 66 hot dogs and buns in 12 minutes. This right, year, so, it's going to uh, be even harder. The competition has been shaved from 12 minutes to just 10, as it was during the first contest. I think this is the one. This sounds like it might be it. And then you is know, this... Actually, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to listen through with you, because I have to go jump on the network. Uh, I'm going to call you back after my network hit. Yeah, you know what? We're, we're going to be here. We're doing our show. So I'll tell you what. We'll watch this. Give us a call back when you're free, and we'll, we'll, take, we'll pick it up where we left off. I'll call you right back because this is my last live hit for the day. All right, so thank I'm, you, I'm my free. friend. All right, okay. there you go. Steve Kastamom. Okay, he'll rejoin us in a second. So I'm like, you know how, how cool Steve Kastamom is, is that we, like, no CNN people are working today. He called us. That's, he called me before the show, and he's like, what time do you want me to call in today? That's, it really is. 
All right, so this is... We're waiting to see if Steve shows up in this... And right now... There he is. There's Steve Kastenbaum in a turquoise shirt. That's suave, man. That is, uh, it's a brave man who can rock that oh color. Oh, right. We are joined by Alan Chernoff and Steve Kastenbaum, double-teaming for us uh, to cover the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Namwa. Nice to see you. And, you know, we should tell you that the tension here is just so intense. I understand that the fantastic. Steve can confirm this. The competitors last night in their sleep were so nervous, they were actually sweating mustard. And this morning, they're actually picking mustard seeds from their skin. And why is that? Who would say picking mustard seeds from their skin? The mustard yellow belt. You can see this at CNN.com, by the way. As you mentioned, thanks to the champion. More Steve, less other guy. 66 hot dogs. These are 66 hot dogs and buns, as you said. Oh, they're showing this huge plate of hot dogs. It's so revolting. I mean, two look good. 59. He's still dipping in the water that I can't take. And to see Chestnut do right, I'm tired of Steve not talking here. Country. Yes, Steve, I think you put it best yesterday when you told me that America's folks are riding on Joey Chestnut's jaws and esophagus. Precisely. I mean, this Chestnut is Steve Castleman. Truly, he's a modern day. The fact is, he's a modern day American hero. And this in an era where. You know, I'm going to skip forward here and see if there's. Kobayashi was right behind him. Kobayashi only weighs under 130 pounds. He's just a little bit under there. I'm going to skip ahead and see if there's actual play-by-play play here. Or expanding rapidly in a very short period of time. And that's one of the reasons why the, the, the men and women who are a little bit overweight, shall we say, the rotund competitors, don't do as well as the thin competitors. The theory is that the fat bands around their stomach actually constrict it and do not allow it to expand as much as the thin competitors are able to do. So that is why we've seen Takeru Kobayashi just dominate the sport for so many years until Joey Jaws Chestnut came along. Yeah, now this is really all a matter of stomach expansion. That's the bottom line. Okay. Well, we will be looking forward to uh, seeing that stomach expansion. See who can have the most. All right. So there you go. So that's uh, so that's Steve Kastenbaum there on uh, on CNN television, uh, broadcasting from uh, Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. Uh, so we'll uh, so we'll talk more about that uh, later on. Steve's going to give us a call back in a, in a few. All right. Still to come today, uh, we'll do the top five overlooked Queen songs. Uh, we will do Ebenezer. I barely knew her. We'll have Behind the Christmas and more. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please turn your attention to the Ministry of Truth? I'm looking over, and the chair is empty because Timmy Ryan's gone, so we'll see how quickly he can get back in the studio. This is your new news hour. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hello. Hi, Timmy Ryan. How you doing? Uh, you guys were watching the hot dog thing, so I, you know... Well, we figured it was well, noon, noon so we'd start the noon news I had hour. to use the bathroom, so I might as well come back. I might as well use it, and then, you know, yeah, whatever. Ah, well, where do, you, where do we start? Do we start with the glorious snuff watch, or do we kind of build up to that? Uh, you know what? You are the news director for today, so I'll let you kind of roll it as you want to roll it. Brother. Okay, I, w- I want to... Uh... I want to work up to the snuff. All right, we'll build to it. We're all pretty. Don't want to lead with your right. We're not say. excited about it. No, we just have to report it. No, we're, we're I'm totally, just saying we're, we're really not excited about this. What it's a momentous it? day. Let me just say that it's a. Uh, I would say an important day. Yes, all very, right. very. Put important. it that way. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Rachel Ray, who uh, I find hot, Rick does not. 
is being sued. Apparently there was this guy that used to work within her company. He's anorexic. One of Rachel Ray's uh, top execs made some kind of remarks about him being anorexic, and anorexics are gross. And uh, he was fired at some point, so now he's suing her for a million dollars. I don't understand anything about this story. Okay, do you want me to read the story by context? Or I was just giving you the wrap-up. I guess... Raise your, your your hand if you, <laughs> raise your hand if you understand what's happening in the story. Uh, Aaron? Uh, I'm half understanding. So I why is he could become anorexic? Why is he suing? Oh no, that that that, that douche from Silverchair was anorexic. Really? Remember that? Oh. Do you remember he wrote yeah. that song, Anna's song, as in anorexia? Oh, yeah, it's God. terrible. Fine, yeah. fine. Instead of me just kind of you know summing it up, I'll read from the context. Former accountant for Rachel Ray's TV cooking show has filed a million-dollar lawsuit saying he was forced out of his job because he has an eating disorder. Aaron Ferguson says in paper... Well, if you're file, working at the Food Network, it seems like being unwilling to eat anything is probably going to be a... It's taunting. <laughs> that really is going to... It seems like that's probably going to hamper your career a little bit if, you know, you won't eat. Look at all this good food, Sticky. <laughs> right, it's like being I mean, a member of a... It's like being a member of the KKK when you're working for the Black Panthers. Not a good idea. It's exactly like that. There's nothing There's nothing to which it's more similar. All right. All right. Aaron Ferguson says in papers filed in Manhattan State Supreme Court that he has suffered from anorexia for about six years. He says that a supervisor repeatedly exhibited... It doesn't seem like he's a very devoted anorexic if he's had it for six years. If you're, I mean, if you're really putting the pedal to the metal anorexia-wise, you're only going to have that for about 18 months, and then you're just going to be... Then you won't be around anymore. True. You know what I mean? That's just not... It's true. Anorexia for six years. That's just not eating a lot. That's not anorexia. I could probably milk it for a solid two before I keeled over. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, you've, got, I mean you've got greater reserves, yeah. though. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's do one more, and then we'll be rejoined by Steve Kastenbaum here. We'll give us the uh, the other half of the Nathan's hot dog eating thing. All right. Uh, marijuana is bad for you, but there's going to be even less of it now because a pothouse in Salem has been busted. Salem police dismantled a sophisticated indoor marijuana growing operation in a vacant residence. Uh, when this happened on Wednesday, police were notified of the grow at about 3 p.m. by a construction company that was maintaining the vacant residence. The residence had been in foreclosure, and when workers entered the residence, they found marijuana plants and paraphernalia associated with the indoor growings of marijuana. You know what I would like to see here? This would be an interesting sidebar story. Maybe not for Steve Kastenbaum, because he's a, he's a man of impeccable journalistic credentials. But, I mean, for someone less reputable, perhaps us, I would be... Are you answering your cell phone while you're doing the show? No. I was just turning it off. That looked a lot like answering your cell phone just now. I, I saw you hold it up to your ear. I didn't hold it up to my ear. I was looking at Please it. Please silence your cell phones during the noon news hour. Exits are located to your left and right. All right. I was just going to say, my concentration now totally broken by Timmy Ryan's callous disregard for decorum. Uh, I was just going to say that I think there ought to be some sidebar stories showing the different states and how much of their weed is uh, from inside the state and how much they have to import. Because you always hear that thing about how Oregon has such great weed or whatever. Uh, but I would be curious to know, is uh, what amount of marijuana used recreationally, let's say, in Oregon is from Oregon, and what amount is brought in from other states? Just, you know, out of curiosity, I'd like to see well, that. Well, something always happens. I personally, I really don't smoke pot. I've never smoked it. But I do know that people who, uh, who like toking the herb, as they say, uh, as soon as somebody gets busted... That kind of it's kind of like the same thing with gas prices. Speculators drive the price up, and the demand goes down. I mean, the demand's so high that there seems to be a shortage. So I think this will drive. So when a big operation high. gets raided, the guys who have it then they 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 jack up the prices. They jack up the prices yeah, exactly, and the the supply goes down. I didn't think this is how little I know about drug culture. I didn't think that the price of pot ever went up 
except in as much as it takes to cover the overhead. Because I thought that that was part of the weed culture as contrasted with like the heroin culture. Like in heroin, like you'll charge as much as, as you can get, right? Right. But I thought in the I thought in the weed culture it was sort of like a Hey man, whatever, just enough to cover my costs and you know gas. No, I know people that you know smoke it all the time and you know and I didn't think weed was really complain. sold for profit. I thought it was like a communal thing. Oh no, they mm. they sell for profit. Yeah, no, it's a business. I didn't know. Yeah, you See, know, I don't know like, anything about it. From like anything. one hippie to another, yeah, just kind of you know just kind of sharing the love. But you know, back at the factory level, you know, homeboys got to make oh, yeah, my homeboys got to make money. I have friends who smoke <laughs> all day, every day. Wake up. First thing, bull. Last thing for the day, bull. I mean, like, it's just like there, there's a lot of money to be made there, I believe, because I know how often, like, they'll go and meet up with the people. God, I wish I was brave enough to sell drugs. Did you ever? Oh, no, dude, don't even get me started. Yeah. I mean, oh, we should talk to Steve. I'm sorry. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. Got up with a whole drug thing there. Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Hello again. See what pot does to you? I was just saying, do you ever, I mean, not you personally, but I mean in a colloquial sense, you know people who like smoke all day and yet are still really productive and it, and it's sort my, of... My friend who does this, she's one of the smartest people I know. And it's kind of impressive it in is. a way. It, it, I'm just, I'm totally envious. I'm Don't like, do drugs, do kids. It's wrong. I know. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like I, you know, I do this every day that I take half a Valium and I'm dead to the world. So but I'm, I met an entire office of people like that. I went to the High Times Magazine Christmas party this year. <laughs> the High Times Christmas party. Do you, let me ask you this. I had always uh, speculated about High Times Magazine that no one at the office was ever stoned or carrying because you got to figure anytime the man needs to make his quota, you just go bust the High Times office. I'm just going to plead the fifth for fear of uh, implicating my fellow journalist colleagues. <laughs> I'm just, uh, that would just be my speculation, I'll put it that way. But, yes. uh, but yeah, occasionally you'll know somebody, like Sarah said, somebody, first thing, you know, they wake up, sometimes they're not even out of bed. It's like they wake up and they reach over to the nightstand and, and they get high, and then they're high all day, and, and, and yet they're getting stuff done, and in a way you're almost sort of envious, like, damn you and your huge brain. I mean, it's yeah, all I like, did, I mean, I, I got a guy I, in, in high school who his entire family was like that. They actually grew their own plants in their backyard. And they would, uh, he, you know, he would smoke too, and he'd go through school, and he was a straight A student, and 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 the whole family, they were, uh, they were potheads. I mean, it's like I got to be ingesting caffeine and stimulants all day long just to stay moderately productive. And then there are people who jack themselves full of weed all day, and uh, you know, and I knew a guy who smoked a lot of weed, and he worked for Microsoft, and he would just sit there coding at his desk for 14 hours a day, flawlessly. Just gack to the nines. So, well, in any event. All right. So, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Here's a dumb question, actually. Speaking of, of, of weed and hot dogs and so forth, they don't do any kind of, do they, do they do any sort of testing for drugs or other to make sure that you're not somehow cheating at this thing, to make sure like you haven't had your stomach expanded or something? I think at some point it's going to come down to that. I think at some point there's going to be some sort of allegation that somebody has taken uh, some sort of medication that enables them to keep the food down or uh, some sort of muscle relaxant. But you can't take too much muscle relaxant because then you couldn't eat fast. But I, I predict that within the next 10 years, the, the sport uh, uh, and the overarching uh, body, the International Federation of Competitive Eating, will have to institute some sort of testing for something. It's bound to happen. So we were watching you on CNN. Good job, by the way. Uh, and uh, it, I mean, it re you look at those guys, and I guess you said it because, it, like, if you're big, like you have like fat, whatever that kind of compresses your stomach or something. But I mean, is it sickening to watch those dudes put in 59 hot dogs like that? I mean, does it make you a little sick just to watch it? 
The only thing that is actually more sickening is going up on the stage and looking at the table after the oh, competition that oh. these guys have eaten on. But, yes, it is sickening. Oh. And, then, I mean, because the rule is, like, they got to eat the whole thing. Like, there can't be any leftovers. It's all got to go down. Right. Like, if a little corner of a hot dog is left on the table that fell off your, out of your mouth or something like that, then, uh, you know, that doesn't count as a full hot dog. What, was it, now, was it, it wasn't just these two guys, right? Was it a whole table full of competitors? Yes, exactly. It was. And it was anybody else even close, or are these guys are these guys the sort of Ali and Foreman of the hot dog eating world? Without a doubt, they are. There is one guy who's started uh, coming close to them. He gets in, he gets up into the low uh, upper forties, low fifties now. Uh, I, you know, Bellucci is his last name. I think I can't remember his first name. Patrick. Patrick. Uh, and uh, he's coming close, and I see him as a, uh, a rising star in the uh, in the sport of competitive eating. But it was a magical moment today when they went to uh, went, when they went to overtime. I don't think anybody expected them to go into overtime like that. To see these two guys eating uh, at, uh, at eating at the same exact pace, keeping neck and neck with each other, hot dog for hot dog, bun for bun. And is it? I mean, are they watching each other while they eat? I mean, or are they just full, solely focused on the plate in front of them? They are, you know, that's a really good question. I mean, can't we, I guess it depends on what you can see out of your peripheral vision, because they are focused on, very focused on what they're doing, and, and they have to be very careful, literally, not to bite their own fingers while they're shoving this stuff in their mouths. It's that crazy. But I would imagine, you know, you, you, you catch little things out of your peripheral vision, and that's how you keep pace with the person next to you, maybe. Do you wonder if these guys ever eat hot dogs during the rest of the year? Like if, yeah. you know, like if they go to a party, like in, you know, February, and there's some guy, hey, have a hot dog, if it just turns their stomach joey chestnut actually does enjoy eating hot dogs he he this is how he got into this his brothers noticed that he could eat more hot dogs than they could ever eat at uh while they were at barbecues and it led to his discovery that he has an incredible capacity for food i got two two things here one observation one question the observation is if this hasn't happened already, we were just talking about the Food Network and Rachel Ray and what we watch on the Food Network and what we don't. It doesn't it seem like these guys ought to be teaming up and they ought to be doing some, like, ultimate hot dog recipe book or show? You know, these guys could be marketing themselves in so many different ways. Joey Chestnut describes himself as a shy, normal guy. He doesn't want to do it. And Takeru Kobayashi, he may be doing it in Japan, but he doesn't speak a, a lick of English, as they say. So he wouldn't be able to market himself here in the U.S. too much. But uh, but Joey doesn't want to do it. He just likes making people smile, is what he told me. He does it for the love of the game. He does. All right. Uh, what uh, Steve Kastamon, what food, more than any other, can you eat in massive amounts at a single sitting? Oh, wow. Let me think about that. I want to make sure I give you the proper answer here. Because there are some foods that I just cannot stop. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, In other words, let me let me put it this way: If you had to do competitive eating and time was not really a factor. In other words, uh, you know, because maybe it's a food that's messy or that you need a fork. In other words, yeah. if there wasn't a time limit, it was just like you got to sit down and you got to shove a lot of food into your mouth and you got to keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. What's your go-to food there? There are so many that I love. That's a really hard question. I mean, I'm, I know that I do this with a lot of foods, that I can just keep eating and eating and eating it. Um, let's see. I definitely like uh, uh, fried shrimp. I don't think I can stop eating fried shrimp. Are we talking? Uh, the, are we talking the deep fried breaded shrimp? Oh yeah, the oh. deep fried breaded shrimp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those yeah. those are really hard to eat, especially. Oh, uh, geez. Oh man, put a plate of fried calamari in front of me. Forget oh. it. 
Yeah, this is going to be one of those shows where we just end up at like at around one thirty, just absolutely ravenous with hunger. I can already tell. I can tell. Too. I'm already starving. Let's go around the room. Aaron Duran, what would be your competitive eating food? Go. Uh, my family's homemade tacos. Uh, I was going to say tacos yeah. as well. Mm. Jimmy Ryan, vegan pizza. Okay. Sarah Dillon? Macaroni and cheese. Yeah. I, I have see. no... I, oh, I, there's a good one. I can eat so much macaroni and cheese, it's disgusting. <laughs> With hot dogs you in disgust yourself? I disgust myself because I try to only eat like half a box, and then I'm eating like a whole deluxe box by myself, and I'm still hungry. <laughs> you, know, you know what I had for dinner last night? I had two boxes of Kraft macaroni in a single oh sitting. Yeah. While watching Family Guy, sitting on the couch, watching oh, Family Guy. You and I are so the same. That's like yeah. my dream night. You're generally... <laughs> you're generally you that, too. Do you What's chop that? up hot dogs in yours? No, no, I don't. That's the oh, best. Some the Hebrew best. nationals cut yeah. up in there. Mm. Oh, no. come on. No, but I have this. Uh, I have this imported habanero uh, powder uh, that Lara brought back from habanero powder. Habanero. Uh, uh, Lara brought back from Mexico or someplace, uh, and so I just I use a little bit of that, and then I use uh, a little bit of uh, you know this whatever like red pepper flakes or whatever. Two whole boxes, <laughs> cook it up, one big bowl on the couch. So there you go. Tacos though as well. There's yeah. a chain here on the on the West Coast that I don't think you guys have called Del Taco. And um, sort of like a Taco Time, Taco Bell kind of a thing. But there was a time, I don't know if I could do it now. I should test myself just to see if I'm still in shape, he says, <laughs> ironically. I used to be able to just sit and eat ten tacos at, like without breaking a sweat. I mean, just in a blink of an eye, I could eat ten of those tacos. The big uh, fat. You know what? I, could, yeah. I could also down a bag of popcorn and not even realize I'm close to eating the whole bag. I don't know that I can actually do that. I can eat a lot of pizza, though, as well. Here's the other thing. You know what I used to be able to eat in massive amounts when I was a, when I was a young white trash youth was fish sticks. I used to just be able to put away an entire, like a huge, like a 48 thing of, of Gordon's fish I sticks. I can still do those, like chicken nuggets, too. Yeah. Anything that's breaded goes uh-huh. down really easily. Really easy. Oh, yeah. could we be more? To, this is why well, other I'm countries hate us and love us. Seriously, now we're going to have to fry something today. You I want to stop, You know what? You know what? i got to tell you, and I know you want to get off this. When that bread basket comes out at the restaurant, if it's good hot bread with a good butter, oh, so I will eat the whole basket. Uh, me too. That especially if there's like a little olive oil oh, and balsamic yes. vinegar. Yes. Like you go, like ah, the Italian joint, yeah. they just give you never-ending bread. And That's what I'm saying. Olive oil. There's this place in Southeast. We need my, to uh, stop. I'm just saying they'll bring you. They bring you this where it's like the crusty bread, and then it's got the balsamic vinegar and the oil, and then occasionally a little pepper in there. And it's just it's so unbelievably good. Or like that hey, Ara- that Arabian place with the flatbread that oh, has the olive oil. Stop it. You eat. Uh, you know what I can eat a lot of too? Falafel. Oh. I can eat falafel like yeah. nobody's business. Yeah. Uh, this email says, God, my stomach is actually growing now. Too now. This email says, Rick. I like how we're in a place in our American history where CNN announces that the honor of America depends on, quote, the esophagus and throat of one of our citizens. It is truly a great time to be alive. It really is. Amen. This is our Independence Day. The the, uh, commissioner of Major League Eating said that. that (laughs) I love that. That is so great. Oh, he is dead serious. At a time when Americans have been beaten down by the high cost of gas and oil, by layoffs, by foreclosures, Joey Chestnut gives us reason to have hope once again, and I'm quoting him here now. He predicts that this is the turning point, that things will turn around, that mortgages will once again become affordable, that the price of gas will will, uh, decline because Joey Chestnut has restored hope to the American dream. God bless him. Steve Kastenbaum, happy 4th of July to you, my friend, and uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. I do believe there's fresh cookies waiting for us, too. Diana brought us some warm, fresh-baked cookies. No, what kind? I don't know. I don't know. Rich, hold on. Richie, what kind of cookies are they? Chocolate and oatmeal. Chocolate chip and oatmeal? Chocolate and oatmeal. Are they still warm? Yeah, I ate six of them. 
<laughs> Going for a record. Richie was just complaining about his physique, too. He's like, I'm going to start watching my weight if I'm going to fit into a dress next week. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll do it. He that'll was help. really concerned. <laughs> Three not, days of... Not for life. Not for being overweight in life. Just for the dress. Just stick him with one of those fat wraps. Um... I think for the sake, if you guys want the cookies, somebody should go get them so Richie doesn't eat them all. Somebody's bringing them in now. Diana hey, from Diana. downtown is bringing them in now. Hi, uh, Tom from Taboo is... Muppet, hush. Muppet, stop. Uh, Tom from Taboo is coming in on Tuesday. He's bringing a variety of sex toys and dresses for Richie. She didn't just bring some cookies. Oh, a bag of and a Bezo. Thank you so much. Excellent. A bag of holding. Beer? A bag of eating. <laughs> I just kept eating. Mm. They are warm. Uh, now, are they chocolate and then also oatmeal? All right, uh, you ought to let Rick Emerson wet his beak. There, you just, uh, somebody, uh... It looks so good. I'm over here. Okay, I have to come over and get one. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. God bless you. You're a good person. All right, I'll just, uh, thank you. Uh, oh, they're so warm. Oh. They are really warm. Wow. I hope we're making everybody hungry. Because, you know, you all are out there. You can go eat. We're in Listen here. This. Hold on. Oh, it's so good. Mm. This is for you, Christopher. Mm. There's this guy named Christopher always writes this. He yells at me through email for eating on air. These are some of the best cookies I've ever had in my life. Really, no lie. These are fantastic. Thank you. Are there butterscotch chips in here, too? Yeah. Oh. Oh, so good. It's like right. food porn. Mm. Thank you, Diana. Okay, so have a great day. Oh, right. oh thank you. And beer. And there's beer. And a chocolate milk. So Rick, can I, think, I have a beer? I think chocolate milk would be one. I think chocolate milk is one step too many. Uh, not as of now, no. <laughs> There's news to be broadcast. Uh, all right. Excellent. All right. That's wonderful. You know, this right here, this is another thing that makes this the, the greatest republic on earth. All right. Thank you, Diana. Happy Fourth of July. Excellent. Take a few phone calls here. Oh, Hi, you're on the oh, Rick Emerson this Show. This is why we fight Sarah. terrorism. Oh. Hi, Rick. Hi, Sarah. Well, the 4th of July. Hello. How are you? Good. I, I would say hi to Tim, but I think that's keyboard Tim, not real Tim today. Keyboard Tim. Oh, you, you know, talking about whistling. the whistling. The whistling thing yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not real whistling. All right. I yeah. Probably actually, did you see uh, Channel 12's morning show this morning? Their weatherman almost got killed on the air. <gasps> no sh- Andy? crap. Tony Martinez? Hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Martinez. It was hysterical. What what happened, sir? He was uh, he's at a rodeo. That's always a good start. <laughs> and he's in a. Oh wait, rodeo let me put this rubber guy. band around this bull's testicles. <laughs> and he's being he's in the back of a wagon, uh, and the guy's in front. He's got a team of horses, four horses, and they're racing this wagon through an obstacle course around pylons and stuff, and it's just tearing up. And all of a sudden, the whole there's four wheels on the cart. The two back wheels and the axle just come right off. Boom. Damn. The back of the cart hits the ground, and it takes them a good 30 seconds for the uh, to get the wagon stopped. And is he holding on for dear life? He's just dead. Before that, the announcers were all, you know, funny banter with Andy. Hey, Andy, having a good time, blah, blah. And as soon as that happens, it's just quiet. <laughs> They're waiting to see if it's going to flip over or not. Andy gets done and goes... Well, golly, that was exciting. <laughs> and, you know, he's just looking at the guy going, and you said this was safe. Is huh? this online? It must be. Is this, on, is this on their website? Do you know, sir, is this online right now? Hello? Yeah, is it online? Yeah, do you know if this is visible on their website? Do you know I, if they posted I this? I just saw it this morning. All right. I was flipping through channels. Oh, now we have to go look for it. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the heads up, my friend. No problem. All right, happy 4th of July, sir. 
Bye. Bye. Thank you. All right, there I can hear what he said. I just heard Sarah. These cookies are so good. Uh-huh. So good. You should have another one. But see, but now I need milk, and that chocolate milk's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking anybody it's to bring milk. Fat too. No, no, no. I, it would just be too much. Uh, I'm not asking anybody to bring me milk. I'm There's just saying. Though. I'm just no, no. I'm saying. But here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna stash for you these cookies for later. Get myself a big glass of milk. Milk and cookies. How come you were eating a cookie? I just took a piece of it. You know, those aren't vegan. There's oh. butter in them. Ha ha! Jacques Hughes! No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to feel You know what I think he is? I think he's one of those guys who's just like, I have a six-gear butt. I'm a vegan. <laughs> like, I think he has like that because it makes him sound no, cool. You're not no. a real vegan. You're not a real vegan because if you were, you would have been able to resist the temptation. I had a, I had a piece of a goddamn cookie, so what? You are not a real oh vegan. Oh my God, and you're saying you're shoving it down our throats all the time. Like, I'm not, I don't eat animals. I'm I don't eat animals. You I just don't. ate animal products just now. Okay, but I gave him once, so the hell what? We're I'm telling not- Tim Riley about this, and you're going to be drummed out of the vegan course. Oh, I can't You know what? I know you go home and power load pimento loaf when nobody's looking. Pimento What's What's pimento loaf? It's the bologna with pimento. Oh, yuck. No, no. Okay. Oh, that stuff looks gross. Pseudo yeah. vegan. All right. Uh, what time is it? So it's vegan. 12. God, your fellow vegans must be ashamed of Seriously, you. you're not a real vegan. Yes, I'm totally a real We're going to do an Insta poll about this later. Are, yes, we are. Insta poll. Insta poll. In fact, but here's the thing. We might actually have to do this Monday because it would be nice to do just nothing but vegans. Just like Instapol only vegans. Instapol. Well, Tim Monday. Riley will be, well, yeah, Tim Riley be back so he can vegans. be able to judge. All right. So, uh, all right. Hey, hey Richard, we'll- Richard, can you do me a favor and, uh, and, and screen these calls when you get And what even hurts worse, it's like it's not that you're doing it because of health reasons. You're doing it because of the principle of the matter. And frankly, you just I threw your a, principles to the I wind. Is that, wait, of a cookie, hold so on. Why? Let's back up for a second. Is that true? Are you a cruelty vegan or a health vegan? I, I don't like cruelty to animals, no. But you I'm just contributed. You know what it is? You contributed to oh, the squeezing I, of, of the chickens problem. for their eggs just now. Well, I didn't know that there were animal products in them. They're cookies. Diana just was saying here they're made out of eggs and butter. Oh, I didn't hear that. My headphones are kind of off. They're so. cookies. Of course they're made out of animal well, products. Well, I didn't know, so I'm okay. That is not true. I didn't know. She looked 18. Yeah, so if I go out and kill a cow, but I didn't know that I was killing it, does that not make the cow dead? It's not the same thing. If you cut me, do I not bleed? Are we not men? We are Devo. You are not a vegan. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this is Eric. What's up? Uh, It's not your fault, but I still have to complain a little bit. I uh, decided to start an eight-day juice fast this last Monday. So, hold, so on a, you, hold on a second. You, Before you finish the story, hold on. I like, have another cookie? Hold on a second. Just hold on. Yes, please do. How's that going for you? <laughs> oh, cookie is so good. <laughs> well, for the last 15 or 20 minutes, it's gone pretty horribly. You know, Mr. Cookie much. doesn't care if you're overweight. Uh-huh. Mr. Cookie <laughs> loves you just you. the way you are. Yes, he does. But you need I, a friend. Still, a cookie I still friend. I love your show so much that I continue mm. to listen even mm. now, even though every word and every mention of food hurts. Hold on. I can't hear you over What's the your, crunching of this oatmeal in my mouth. What your favorite food in the world is? <laughs> my favorite food in the world, it's probably got to be any kind of uh, shellfish, seafood, oh. shrimp, scallops. Yeah. Oh, especially at, when it's breaded. Look at the texture yes, in this yes. cookie. Breaded is pretty good, too. I'm sorry I was distracted by the melt-in-their-mouth goodness. <laughs> of this cookie that's filled with butterscotch chips and butter. The chocolate all, is still all, glistening. All I so want warm. to be is grist for your meal, man. I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Congrats my friend. Congrats on the, on the juice you. night, though. That's intense. It is. It, it's pretty rough. Uh, Monday will be the last day. Maybe I'll give you guys a call on Tuesday and let you know how I'm doing. Please do. Happy Fourth of July, sir. Same to you guys. Right, Thanks. Thank Bye. you. There you go. All right. <laughs> Somebody just updated on my blog. Somebody wrote, you know how I said, like, caption this for Timmy Ryan's thing. Mm-hmm. And one of them just says, I am not a vegan. <laughs> uh, in your face. I am uh, so a vegan. You, I, didn't, I didn't know. 
Dude, I didn't know. It's a given that cookies contain animal products oh. unless you are told is, differently. Don't, don't blame it on your. Don't I had a piece of a cookie. So I had a piece of a cookie. That's like having a piece of steak, not a vegan. You have a piece of steak, you're not a vegan. <laughs> I didn't have a piece of steak. Straight edge forever, Timmy Ryan. I had a piece of cookie. All right, whatever. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So Richie's listing off the ingredients in them. Yeah, they're they're not vegan in any in any conceivable way. You're. Lying to yourself and no one else. Can, really can nothing is. get by with you guys? I mean, you catch everything. Thanks a lot, Aaron. You're right you're here. Welcome. You're a foot away. Well, no, I catch him eating it, and he looks at me because I give that face like, "What are you? What are you doing?" And he looks at you like, "Don't tell no, the others." No, he does the hands. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> means I'm gonna do it. Which means yeah. he is aware. You Which knew. Means... He totally you knew. knew. Look at the face. You knew. <laughs> the thing is, you couldn't even you couldn't even take the tr trouble to sneak it out of the studio and eat it in the bathroom. Yeah, you could have just said you had to go pee and then just shoved it in your face. That's almost worse. You could have eaten it in the I parking a, lot when we weren't looking. I was a priest and the cookie was an altar boy. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That's great. Well done. Uh, all right. I'm not um, supposed to, but I gave in. All right. Uh, well, let's do one more news story and then we'll take a break. Oh. Uh, should we? T now we can't do the snuff watch yet. We'll build up to it. Okay. Uh, so today being Fourth of July, your Independence Day. Uh, you're is that Ike Turner's Independence Day? <laughs> <laughs> Ike Turner is I'll slap you into freedom. <laughs> All right. So if you have fireworks, um, there's a fireworks recall. Not like it's going to stop you from lighting off the fireworks, but as a uh, uh, public service, I'll I'll read the story. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, in cooperation with the firm which I'm about to talk about, today announced a voluntary recall of the following consumer product. Consumers should stop using recall products immediately unless otherwise instructed. Okay, so uh, check your fireworks bin for this. The Screech and Scream Fountain Fireworks. There's about 20,000 units of them out there. Uh, it was distributed by Black Cat Fireworks, whatever the hell that is. Well, I think now let's, let's be very clear about that. Now, is, that, is this Oregon only? I don't know. This is just a story that I because just there is wire. a here's the because there is a black cat fireworks that is one of our uh, one of our very fine advertisers. Right. Uh, so let's be let's be very factual when we report this story. Well, it says from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. So the person that is selling it or distributing it is uh, Black Cat Fireworks. So perhaps they if they have questions about this, uh, if you have questions about the fireworks you purchased, yeah. you should then perhaps contact the outlet from where you purchased them. Right. And th this is the danger. You ready? The firework can produce a loud bang and expectedly shatter debris. Well, it's an explosive. I would think that posing would, uh, an whatever. industry hazard to the user and bystanders. So, right. so what? Well, so so the, here's the thing. If you have questions about your firework safety, uh, and, and and actually, in all seriousness, like if your kids are going to be using this or something, you should. If you have questions, call contact the people that sold you the fireworks. Honestly, I want to try and find fireworks cool because all my friends are like they love them. Fireworks scare the crap out of me. I, I hate them. I hate being near them. I hate them when they're set off next to me. But all my friends have so much fun, and it's hilarious because they love fireworks and they scare the crap out of me. I uh, I don't like being near them. I think it's an age thing, part of that too, because I sort of I I think I, I grew out of that a little bit. And and here's the I will tell you this. Uh, you know what I don't like is I don't like uh, sudden loud noises. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was a big fan of fireworks when I was a kid, but the, from the visual aspect. Like, I loved things that sort of made like the huge showers. Or if, yeah, or if they flew up into the air and made, like, huge bang light things in the air. But, like, the thing... The thing that where you just light it and you throw it and it goes bang! Like, I just... I know I'm going to be with a, a pack of miscreants today. And they're always cause, drunk. Yeah, because I know there's going to be much beer and many fireworks. And then I hate it when there's the drunk guy who thinks it's funny to pretend to point the firework at you. Yeah. 
Oh, I just end up staying inside. And everybody grew up with the guy who would light the Roman candle and then shoot it at you like it was some sort of a water mm-hmm. pistol instead of like a fire pistol, which is what it really was. Yeah, my uh, my dad and my grandfather would get really, really, they would go to the Indian Reservation. They would buy all of these really loud explosive fireworks. And again, and I have no problem with fireworks, but it's specifically it's things that are just like an M80, a thing that just goes like pow. Like I, I am not. We're going to take a break. We'll come back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. We will uh, continue around the corner. More inexplicably from Timmy Ryan. Aaron Durant's Top 5 Overlooked Queen songs. Uh, we'll do Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, Behind the Christmas, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is totally not as legible as or audible as I thought it was. Wait, let me try this again. <laughs> I have the well, other one. There we go. Buenos dias. En menos de una hora, los aviones de aquí se unirán con los del resto del mundo, y ustedes darán inicio a la batalla aérea más grande en la historia del hombre, de la humanidad. Palabra que tendrá nuevo significado para nosotros. Ya no podemos consumirnos con pequeñas diferencias, nunca más. Estaremos unidos en un interés común. Tal vez sea el destino que hoy sea el 4 de julio. Y ustedes lucharán una vez más por la libertad. No de la tiranía, la opresión o la persecución. Sino de la aniquilación. Lucharemos por nuestro derecho a vivir, a existir. Y debemos ganar hoy. El 4 de julio ya no será conocido como una fiesta norteamericana, señores. Sino como el día en que el mundo declaró a una voz: No entraremos en silencio hacia la noche. Y no moriremos sin pelear. Vamos a vivir, a sobrevivir. Hoy celebraremos nuestro día de la independencia. Oh, 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 oh,
Emerson Radio Program. It is July 4th. It is our annual Christmas in July program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come today, we'll do Aaron Durant's top five overlooked Queen songs of all time. Uh, let's see what else is coming up. We'll do uh, Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, our Christmas play from last December. Also, uh, Rick Emerson's Behind the Christmas uh, which we play uh, every year around this time and the Christmas. All right, this is Timmy Ryan in for Tim Riley. Oh, I don't have the sounder. I thought I was going to get the big. No, inside. The no, no, no. I think inside the news hour, we just we just throw it back to you. Oh. And you being quick on your feet are right there with the story. Okay, fantastic. Okay, you is ready? it time? <laughs> it's it's time. It's time to talk about the um, the son of a bitch. Is it uh, snuff watch time? It's snuff watch. All right, watch ladies and gentlemen, time. here you go. First, we. Oh, hold on, we. Timmy, that's right. It's, <laughs> not, it's, it's inappropriate to say that. Perhaps I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Here's the thing. Here's I will put it this way. Uh, there is a snuff watch for somebody that I think we all have fond memories of. There's a snuff watch for someone that. Uh, someone else. <laughs> a, there's a snuff watch for a person who brought smiles and warmth. There's a person for a snuff watch who made America a better place. There's a snuff watch for a person who lives on in the hearts of jubilant children everywhere. Then there's the other guy who brought none of those things to anybody. So Except let's, racist. So let's do the, yeah, and also he was a racist. Uh, We're so one step closer to legalizing gay marriage. All right, so let's do this. So let's do the first half. All right, the first one. Larry Harmon, the alter ego behind Bozo the Clown for more than 50 years, is dead. He died of heart failure at 83. Yeah, Harmon died yesterday at his home of heart failure, that according to his longtime publicist. Although he was not the first person to play Bozo, Harmon took on the famous clown's persona, and as an entrepreneur, he licensed the character to others, particularly TV stations. Those stations then recruited their own Bozos for local shows. <laughs> <laughs> now, was Bozo the first mainstream American clown? What year would that have been? Yeah, so. Tim was here. He'd know. What did, I wonder I don't know. when Bozo the Clown first entered the America prominence in American life. Well, I, I think there were other clowns like Clarabelle. Yeah, see, Clarabelle was on Howdy Doody, but I don't know if that was before or after Bozo. I think that was before. All right, well, continue with the, with the Larry Harmon thing because I'm going to look it up. Okay, uh, Harmon met his alter ego after answering a casting call to make personal appearances as a clown to promote records. He got the job and eventually bought the rights to Bozo. Along the way, he embellished Bozo's distinctive look, the orange-tufted hair, the bulbous nose, the outlandish red, white, and blue costume. So, so I'm trying to, th right now, there's probably uh, YouTube clips uh, of Bozo, because I realize now as we're discussing it, that Bozo the Clown is one of those guys that everybody sort of knows. But like, like off the top of my head, I don't know if I even remember what he sounds like. Did he speak, or was it all with the... Uh... It was just like... No, he talked. No, he talked. He yeah. talked. It wasn't like a Harpo Marx thing. No, I mean, he... 
Krusty's based on Bozo, so it just take kind of a non angry That's not true. That's not true. Krusty's really? based on oh, no, Krusty's based on on uh, uh, on what's his name, Rusty Nails, the the Portland guy. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm almost positive that's true. Oh. I mean, he's a clown, obviously, well, so yeah, maybe sure. to some extent. But I think Krusty the Clown is based on Rusty Nails, who I do believe was a clown here in Portland in the early days. Oh, okay. He was sort of a low-rent, like a low-budget <laughs> kids host. Um, here's a question, though. When when uh, they bury Larry Harmon, are they going to bury him as Larry Harmon or as Bozo? <laughs> Just a, sort is of he going to go out Lugosi <laughs> style? Lugosi yeah. style. It's how he wanted it. Uh, let's see, here we go. Bozo the Clown, the name of a clown whose widespread franchising in early television made him the best-known clown character in the United States. Um, let's see, blah, blah, Created as a character in 1946, which would have predated, um, Howdy Doody. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, um, and then it has a list of, uh, people who played, and then here's this, they had local bozos. Uh, local bozos, Birmingham, Little Rock, L.A., Washington, D.C., Miami, Orlando, Chicago, Moline, Let's see. Did let's see if Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. We did not have our own bows with a clown, so I guess we just got the syndicated one here. You know what? I'm looking at this picture of him right here, and it's kind of freaky. I mean, maybe it's just because maybe kind of, every time I see a clown like that, it just reminds me of Tim Curry from It. I see, and I just think John Wayne Gacy. And so maybe it's that we just maybe it's becoming a thing where the, the image of the clown has become so soiled by Tim Curry and serial killers that it's impossible to go back. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to reach a time in American history, uh, you know, where clowns are no longer scary. I mean, I think poltergeist and it and serial killers have just permanently <laughs> tarnished the image of the American clown. Well, the clowns are, they do have the death's head. That's their makeup. And, and they're just, it's just weird the way they chose that to be the clown. And, you know, and here's the other thing about clowns now that I'm looking at it. I mean, and it's just, it's they always have a lot of red, which is, I think, kind of an aggressive, sometimes frightening color, depending on how it's used. So... Yeah, okay, it's kind of creeping me out. That's close. All right, so Larry Harmon, the original Bozo the Clown, dead. Uh, it just it, for the bonus round, uh, uh, the original Ronald McDonald. Anybody, go. Um, what's his name? Hold on, I know who this is. Give me a second. Um, oh, Jesus, what's his name? The guy, uh, the guy that's on the on the does the weather now, right on NBC. What? Hold on. I do know that John Goodman played him once. No. What what the hell is the guy's name? The original Ronald McDonald, Timmy Ryan. I know who it is. Clearly you don't know who, who it is. It? <laughs> who is it? Willard Scott. That's what I was about to say. Willard She's Scott. She's 85 That's years young. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I couldn't. My, well, <laughs> I, I'm really tired from last night. I can't think. No, you're up so you can't keep pulling that out. Maybe you, can't, all, you can't keep pulling it that I was here till one in the morning working on a song that no one will let me play. Maybe it's all the animal products in him now that they're fighting <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe your lot your thoughts are your thought process is being clogged with butter. I think that's what it is. All right. Uh, so uh, so there the was a side? there was a snuff watch that was sad that we just had. Here's one that is not that. Go ahead. We'll yes. just read this. We'll just read the story. Just read it. It's no just, commentary. Just horrible. Read, read the story without comment. <sighs> All right, brace yourselves. Jesse Helms is dead. Not Jesse Helms. No, God, no. Not Jesse Helms. I'm sorry to tell you guys, Jesse Helms is dead. How will I go on? Mm. Every night in my dreams, I touch you, I feel you. That is no how I know you go on. That's what I would sing to Jesse Helms right now if he was here. Keep going. And then once more... You open the door, and I know that my heart will go on. We'll stay forever this way. 
And I know that my heart will go on and on. Keep going. Keep going. Um, that's all I know. Oh, you don't know the big finale where it goes up a step? Because there's the pause. There's what they call it. Sorry, the... I was singing all night last night. They were the... <laughs> I have no voice. I was up late eating steaks and big tubs of lard. Um, the uh, no, you know, there's that the thing they, the, the thing that is sometimes in the industry called the Clear Mountain pause because of uh, because of record uh, master Bob Clear Mountain, where it stops. And then there's the little boom, the kick of the of the of the the the, the, the drum, and then it goes up a step. That you're here, there's nothing. That's the big finish that she does. And in the video, she's got the big black uh, the big black sky behind her. All right. Well, let's move on. So Jesse Helms died of what? Um, of hate. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. I was actually just gonna make that joke. Died from an overdose of hate and bigotry and racism. Uh, this is the this is the official story because you know we are an official. Organization. We, we like to read news uh, verbatim here. We report other people decide. And uh, I'm an objective uh, commentator, of course, <laughs> without any kind of disparaging remarks. Former Senator Jesse Helms, who built a career along the fault lines of racial politics and battled liberals, communists, and the occasional fellow Republican during his 30 conservative years in Congress, died. This sucks. On the 4th of July. Because, you know, now they're going to, he died the day America was born. Ew. That, you know, that's totally what they're going to say, right? That's it. That's totally. And almost, look, I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm just speculating here as a, as a pundit. It almost makes you wonder if he died like three or four days ago and they just waited till, till now to release that's it. That's a I possibility. Mean, well, no, seriously. Did you see that thing? Did you see this? Uh, look, I'm saying right now, I'm not accusing CNN of reporting. How do I put this? I'm not accusing CNN of fabricating news. I'm really not. But I am saying that perhaps CNN and other news organizations are unknowingly passing along a story whose provenance is suspect. Listen to this. Speaking of Jesse Helms dying on the 4th of July coincidence. After nearly three years of uh, excavation, archaeologists today confirmed the discovery of George Washington's boyhood home. I mean, please, for the love of... Like anybody believes that that happened today. Uh, you know what I mean? They're, they're clearly stories where the time is jiggered around just a little bit, so you can tell that it meets some sort of. Uh, or, or they knew where it was. They kind of dug around. They just waited. And like, yeah, they just kind of like they did like ten minutes worth the, of work, and like, oh my God, it's George Washington's boy at home. Today was the day where like the guy right. cut the ribbon in front of it. All right. Anyway, um, um, he was 86. Helms died at 1:15 a.m. That, according to the Jesse Helms Center. <laughs> At Wingate University in North Carolina, there's a Jesse Helms Center in a uh, university All right. in America. Okay. Um, stay, uh, let's see here. Uh, funeral arrangements are, are pending. I'm sure the KKK will be there. Uh, he's just such a. I mean, I'll, I'll do. We, I mean, we're trying to be. Uh, we're trying to be a, a little uh, whatever as we sort of discuss Jesse Helms because, of course, let's just say for the record. We wish a long life and the best of health to all government officials of and federal employees. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That's true. God bless them. May they all live forever. God bless them, everyone. But you know what? He was just such a terrible person. Hey, I mean, should just... we read any quotes that Jesse Helms said? You know, I thought about doing that, but you know what? I realized that I don't even care. Uh, I, I realized, and you know, and when Tim Riley gets back on Monday, he'll probably have some things to say about this because every time Tim, every time any of us goes out of town, that's when there's a really big death, right? Mm-hmm. Every because I, Tim Russert died when I, I went on vacation, I killed Tim Russert by leaving town. I'm going to confess to it right now. I, Rick Emerson, killed Tim Russert. I did it by going on vacation. Did I miss? I don't think I've ever missed him. It's, it's you and Tim when you guys leave. And when one of us leaves, it's immediately somebody dies. So Tim will undoubtedly have many comments about this, and maybe including some of Jesse Helms' more choice quotes 
but I will say that he did seem in almost every way to be a thoroughly awful and disreputable person. Him and Ike Turner are hanging out right now. That's there you go. That's exactly yeah, what okay. I'm saying. Hey, isn't isn't Tim in a George Michael concert right now? Uh, the other day, though. That's how Jesse Helms would have wanted it, by yeah, the way. that's exactly his. Celebrate <laughs> his death at a George Michael concert. All right, there you, you go. you gotta have hate. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> See, there you go. You've earned your way out of the doghouse with that. Oh. All right, there's your double snuff watch. All right, before we... Uh... We've got some phone calls to hear, uh, to get here in just a second. Okay, here's a little 20 questions for you, Sarah Dillon. Yes. Um, there is a musical act coming to town this next week. Uh, this coming Thursday, there is a musical act coming to town, <laughs> about which I think you might be excited. I have their poster in my studio. Okay, but don't give any more. No, no, I won't. Okay, no. go. Um... That I might be excited next Thursday? This coming Thursday, there will be a musical act in town. So what is that, the 10th? Uh, sure. Okay, I don't know. Oh, okay, um, rock group? No. Pop group? I would say so. Like something I like now or that I would like, that I would have liked a long time ago? You always Re- like, you've always, I mean, they're timeless. Uh, I would say they are a, a, a relatively recent act. Relatively recent? A relatively recent act, act that... We could play right now on the show and it wouldn't sound out of place. Wouldn't sound dated. Um, they are still actively recording. I'll give you that. Okay. And they're a group. I don't know. You know I suck at this. Is it, is it a male vocalist? Uh, it is a group. Uh, I would say the, the lead vocalist is usually male, yes. Usually male? I mean, it's, you know, it's a group, so they share vocal duties. But I would say nine times out of ten, it's going to be a male vocal. Yeah. And this is someone I've liked for a long time? I, it's someone we've played on the show many, many times in the past. A group. Discovered on this show, right? Not discovered on this show. We're not the first ones to. No, no, but oh, the first I time Sarah heard them. Uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, can you think of any other... Any other uh, can I, well, the only clue, hint I can think of might be a big giveaway. But see, that's, but see, that's not a hint. That's give, hey, oh, well, right. you can give it. If you're going to tell me uh, anyway, I, I, almost, I, almost, uh, I almost wish I could drag it out longer because the payoff is so great. Okay. Um, wow. no, I, can, that, I, I got it. I got it. All right. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll give it away. Think School of Rock. That's where I was going, yeah. Think School of Rock. It's not the School of Rock, but think, think My, that. Minor performers. They're not adults. Put your... Put your brain in the direction of the School of Rock. This is a performer, musical act coming to town, a group, a musical act coming to town this coming Thursday. And sometimes male and female, pop rock. Currently recording. Think School of Rock type act. Crap, I don't know. I don't know. And they don't do covers, right? It's always original? It's all originals, I do believe. I believe they are all originals. The group writes their own material. Rock. Is it like a, a real band, or is it a band from like a, sh- a TV show or movie? Or uh, I don't believe that they are not from a, a TV show or movie. However, it would not surprise me if there was a movie or TV show about them in the works. I don't know that there is, but I'm saying they're not... In other words, they weren't created for a movie or TV show. It's not like The Heights. Uh, but it would... 
I would be I would be astounded if somebody isn't working on a movie or show about them right now. I have no clue. I have no clue. Uh, I got we got to delay just long enough so that I can uh, so that I can actually find one of their one of their cuts to play here. Because what it is, I'll surprise you. And we've played it on the show. We have played it on the show. Have they been one of the bands that crashed at Sarah's house? No. Just because Timmy Ryan's quasi girlfriend didn't call him yesterday after the show. Is that true? To punish me. Really? Is that true? She's not too happy with me right now. I think I say things to just piss people off. Really? What was your first giveaway? The fact that I've dumped you like nine times in the last day? All right. Do you give up, Sarah? Yes. All right. Uh, I haven't pre-screened this song, but I'm pretty sure this will work. This kind of looks like me. Yeah, I was about to say that. Wait for it. I see pretty girls everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Oh, my God. Corky? A whole band of Corkies. A whole band of Corkies. Oh, oh, the Whitney, Whitney. The kids Whitney of Whitney High, High are oh coming to Portland. <laughs> they are playing at Backspace. And it's free. <gasps> oh. Should we get them on the show? Yes. Should we have them come sing in the studio? Yes. <laughs> All right. Richie will have friends. Richie. <laughs> um, Richie. Richie Bristol, we'd like to get the kids of Whitney High on the show Thursday. As many of them as we can fit in the studio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Richie can go out on a date that night. No. Jimmy. No. That's the one. See, why do you always go one step too far? Uh, you didn't right. dump me there. Uh, well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying he can forget it. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How great is that? This coming Thursday at Backspace, the kids at Whitney High will be performing for free. Uh, hi, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson show. If I wanted to hear retards performing, I would just keep listening to the show today. Hey-oh. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh. Hey, at least he's listening. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, everybody, this is Benjamin the Bard. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Um, in keeping with today's Christmas theme, yes, I sir. sent you a song which is a parody of a, uh, uh, one of the uh, numbers from A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, what is it? What? Which song is it a parody of? It's a parody of What's This? What's this? But instead, it's <laughs> It's Rick. Really? Yes. Uh, it's in your email. I sent uh, it less than an hour ago. In less than... Uh, but wait, I have a theory you just sent Oh, wait. Here we go. I just... You know, attachments always go into my spam folder. Always, always. Okay, so... Uh, and I'm assuming it's clean? This is safe for radio play, yep. All right, hold on. Uh, how long is it, sir? That's about two minutes. All right. Uh, should we just play it without uh, pre-listening? Totally. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll play it right now. Hey, thank you. All right, there you go. That's uh, that's Benjamin. All right, uh, let me uh, load this here. And His we parodies are pretty fun. Well, he's like a, Benjamin is most famous to the audience for two things. A, he did the Borderline Baby song. Yeah. And B, he, he came in and... He's a talented guy. Uh, and he's the one who prompted Richie to confess that he was in a nuthouse for three weeks at one point. So so Benjamin is a long pedigree. I've used his songs a lot on Film Fear Radio, too. He's in a whole bunch of parodies. All right, so this is from Benjamin in Southeast. Uh, this is called uh, It's Rick. I love it already. <laughs> KCMD Portland. It's not Christmas. It's Rick. 
It's Rick. There's magic in the air. It's Rick. Broadcasting everywhere. It's Rick. I can't believe my ears. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. It's Rick. It's Rick. It's Rick. That joke was kind of wrong. It's Rick. They're playing top five songs. It's Rick. The streets are lined with Portland people laughing. Everybody seems so happy. He's more than a little daffy. It is Rick. It's Rick. Dungeon studio with Sarah and with Tim, Richie Bristol taking phone calls until they summon him. I look in through the window, oh I can't believe my ears, and in my bones I feel his rage. This will all end in tears. Oh look, it's Rick. They're hanging out with stars. They diss. His show is so unique. He's wired. They're lining up around the crystal ballroom to see him roast it alive. It's Rick. It's Rick in here. They're watching TMZ out there. He's going to the plan, and why? He's going to buy another Viso drink, another tablet magazine. Kirstie Alley's on the cover, and a pretty spread inside. It sounds like fun. This sounds like fun for hours a day. I get my wish. It's Rick. Oh my, what now? He's calling CNN to talk to Lisa, Bob, and Jim. They chat, but not about the news or facts or politics. No, only little factoid things in idle conversation. It's Rick. And Mr. Skin is missing because Richie didn't call. Is he still hungover from the Cobra alcohol? The screaming con watch makes it rub the lotion on its skin. In less than an hour means the show will soon begin. It's Rick, the sound. He's everywhere and all around. I've never felt so good before. This empty place inside of me is filling up. I simply cannot get enough. I want it, oh, I want it, oh, I want it for my own. I've got to know, I've got to know what is the show that I have found. What is this? Emerson. Hmm. Christmas is the time to say I love you. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's uh, the 4th of July. It is our annual Christmas in July show, Billy Squire. Uh, so that was taped live at MTV, and I think in the video, which I haven't seen forever, I think Nina Blackwood is actually sitting right next to him. Uh, kind of first she turned all hideous. Hey, here's a question for you, Timmy Ryan. You know a lot about music. Yeah. Okay, so there's that song, Step Into Christmas, which is Elton John. Yes. Do you know, what is the, I guess I could just be Googling this, what is that Christmas song? And the, the only line I can ever remember is the 
Ho, 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 guess who's here? Your fat and jolly friend draws near. Do you know that song? It sounds for all the world like Elton John, but I don't think it is. Ho, 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 guess who's here? Your fat and jolly friend draws near. Do you know that? No. It's one of those Christmas songs that I heard like twice growing up, uh, like 20 years ago, and I've never heard it again, and I don't know who does it. Uh, it's not Step Into Christmas. Call Dr. Demento. Uh, the, if only that were possible. Uh, it, it is Elton John. It is Elton oh, John. It is Elton John. Mm -hmm. Who is it? What's the name of the song? Um, let me see. That's a, that, it's one. It's like a lost. See, so I'm glad to know that I'm not crazy. It is Elton John. And Elton John knows a lot about being fat and jolly. That was really just that was a comedic bunt right there. You know what that was? <laughs> that's oh, what that was. it just says an Elton John Christmas song. An Elton John Christmas song. Well, all right. And I see. I got it. Well, see, but now at least I know it's Elton oh, it's John. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Let's see. Hold on. Ho ho ho. All right. Uh, Elton John. Now, let's see. Um, it is the B-side to Step Into Christmas. It is also on the Rare Masters. Uh, it, ho, 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 and then, uh, parenthetically, Who'd Be a Turkey for Christmas? It is an obscure Christmas song from Sir Elton John. All right, we'll play that later on. You said that a lot of times, like having like Don Imus in the studio. What? What you just said. Thank you. You know, can I just say this? Your Imus impression is stunning. It is It's so Ooh, good. I want to hear it. It's uh, it's on one of your seventy seconds things yeah. right now. Um, and it, did, did you, now is that um, um altered electronically or is that no, just no, live? No, no, I do it. Can you can you do it? You, do you know the one I'm talking about? There's the seventy seconds bit that has the Hulk Hogan thing and that it has his Pac-Man Jones comments. Yeah. Can you? <gasps> so do it. So ask, so ask me. It's, I heard it, and the thing is, it's gibberish. You're not even saying anything. It's at the end of your 70 seconds bit. So if nothing, all right. if all else fails, we'll play it there. But it's really pretty. Yeah, because you're like, you go, I man. It's like. <laughs> Which I mean, it's, that is ridiculous. It's pretty great, actually. That's awesome. I don't know if that one's still in rotation, but well, it'll come up at the, some point. The way that I developed that is when I was working at KXL, which I did once upon a time right uh -huh. across from Lars. We used to have to put up with Imus every morning, and so I'd go down the hall going, because I'm kind of a mimic. I can pick up on voices like that. So. The way, yeah, the way that you do it there for a minute, I wondered. Here, it's so good, actually, on that bit that's playing. I thought that maybe you had just rolled tape on Imus and just edited together a bunch of his stammers. No. So no, it's a lot funnier all... when you impersonate somebody even poorly. That is pure Timmy, is what that is. All right. Uh, well, let's do some news here, and then later on we'll do the top five overlooked Queen songs. We will play Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, and Behind the Christmas. This is the news. And now, no. though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Okay, and indeed, I am Timmy Ryan filling in for Tim Riley. Where is Tim Riley, anyway? Uh, he was in Seattle, and I think... Uh, I don't know where he is now. He's at points unknown. And what did you say? Polishing his collection of Rolls Royces? Yeah, that's what I heard he was doing, or maybe he was like admiring his platinum collection. <laughs> Just meticulously combing his hair. Yes. Here's Timmy Ryan. All right. How would the likes of Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin feel about the way the United States has turned out 232 years later after signing the De Declaration of Independence? Not pleased. Surprise, surprise. A majority of Americans... That were recently polled said, according to a new CNN opinion poll, 69% of adult Americans who responded to a poll in late June said that the signers of the Declaration of Independence would be very disappointed by the way the nation has turned out overall. Only 21% said uh, the founding fathers would be pleased. It's like, a, you know, Tim and I used to say that you, there was at one point there was like the 93% of people that, that thought the Iraq war was just a fantastic idea. And you so desperately just kind of want to be able to find that 93% of people now and go, 
Told you. What is like? What was that? What were you thinking? But of course, they've all just sort of they've all just sort of vanished. All right. Kind of carrying on here. This is the cap of the story. Apparently, Americans didn't always feel this way. According to a Keating Holland CNN poll back in 2001, 54% thought that the signers of the Declaration of Independence would, in fact, be pleased with the state of the country. But they wouldn't feel that way now. Well, all right. All right, next story. Today's been a slow news day. Well, it's the 4th of July. I mean, really, there's... We should make our own news. We should, we should send Richie to, like, crash into a bunch of stuff, and we can have, like, the breaking news on a big car crash... Or somebody that's getting, a great idea. Somebody getting hit with a no. bat. Uh huh. Or somebody getting arrested. Wait, let me understand this. So you want Richie to go out and commit petty crime? Yeah. So that you have something to report. And then we can be like, when news happens, we know about it first, especially if it involves Richie. Okay. There you go. All Richie news. Here's something else I was thinking about. Let's just say one of us commits a crime or gets in a traffic accident. Knock on wood. Would you call the station uh, to report it? So you know you're uh, you're. So you'd be first on the scene. Exactly. I you're think first so. on the scene, literally, because you know you caused it. Well, that, I, it used to be kind of a standing joke with my friend Todd and I that, um, eh, that you know, if one of us were to be killed or maimed or whatever, that, like, you were always supposed to call the media first and then call the paramedics, you know? Right. Because otherwise, by the time that, you know, the, by the time the news copy gets there, you'd already be gone, so. What's well, like when we do short films and we're doing, like, a stunt or a dangerous scene? We have a standing rule of no matter what happens, you keep, keep the camera rolling. <laughs> so you can make it a DVD extra <laughs> of Aaron trying to pull, like, a short-handled blade yeah. out of his stomach. <laughs> oh, it all went wrong. Mm. <laughs> But it's going to look great. <laughs> I, I don't know if we have audio for this, but I'll read it anyway. The members of the Aerosmith family say that they are pleased with their new video game, Guitar Hero Aerosmith. Jesus, they're dedicating a whole Guitar Hero to Aerosmith now? Well, because they've already... Uh, now, is this just Aerosmith songs? Right. Uh, there's a couple of songs that used to open with Aerosmith. Oh, like bands that toured with Or them. that inspired them, or they were inspired by... You can read the review on GeekInTheCity.com. Right. I mean, I'm not a Guitar Hero guy, so I can't, I'm not really one to pass. I mean... I think Guitar Hero sucks. Yes, I know you do. Why don't you pick up a real guitar and because, learn how to play? Because every time you're on the show, there seems to be a Guitar Hero story. Do you bring Guitar Hero stories with you intentionally? I hate them. I'm, I'm just People should learn to play guitar. Man. Every time you're on the show, there's a Guitar Hero story. It's sort of like how every... It's, it's, that, guitar Hero stories are to you like airline security stories are to me. I wonder, where it's like they're only there for... I can go, ah, come on! I wonder how long it's going to be before there's actually like Guitar Hero groupies. Like, there's going to be girls that are turned on by your Guitar Hero playing skills. I think, actually, on that South Park episode, I think that was, I think mm -hmm. there was actually that, that there was something like that. Um, well, uh, I have the, I, one of our, one of our show opening speeches at one point was from the South Park Guitar Hero episode. But, um, anyway, so, as you pointed out, though, let's hope that it's better than their last foray into gaming, which was Revolution, Revolution X! Revolution X, yeah! <sighs> which had some sort of, God, well, it had some sort of horrible tagline. Revolution X, it was like, you know... The Rock will set you free. Yeah, totally. It was, it was exactly. It was like a, but it was like a terrible shooting game. It was like the shooting game based it was on like some Area rock. 51, but with Aerosmith and like weird George Orwell style <laughs> overlords. It was awful. So. It was no Moonlighter. No, no. What? Or the Michael Jackson game. Moonwalker. Moonwalker. That game's yeah. badass. Yeah. Has the dance. Do you remember the Journey video game? Mm -hmm. Escape. The Journey video game. All right. Here's Timmy Ryan. All right. Comedy giants Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen are joining forces again. According to Variety, the Talladega Knights duo are set to take on a Sherlock Holmes-inspired film with Cohen playing Detective Holmes and Ferrell starring in it as his trusty sidekick Watson. The movie will be produced by Knocked Ups, Jude Apatow, and Jimmy Miller. Ferrell is next due on the big screen in the comedy Step Brothers at July 25th along John C. Riley. Do you have the feeling that Will Ferrell is just going to be spiraling downhill at some point. I I don't know. I mean, I saw what is that new? Yeah, Step Brothers, which I saw the I saw the preview for that one at uh, 
I don't know, Wally or Wanted. No, it must have been. It, must have been, it, it was a Red Band trailer. So it, it looks totally wanted. dumb, but I'll, I'll go see it. Uh, you know what it is? It's one of those things where it has just enough great moments. There's the scene in the trailer where they're in the bunk beds, and then the top <laughs> bunk just collapses onto him. Uh, and I think Will Ferrell's in the bottom bunk because they built them themselves. And John C. Riley jumps onto the top bunk bed, and it just goes, <clears throat> and you just hear Will Ferrell go, for the love of God! You know, and I mean, that's, that is exactly the sort of dumb comedy that will get me uh, to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, but usually what happens is, you got these comedians that are in a few really funny comedies, and then they just keep saying yes to everything because they're used to the uh, the spending life that they've well, been accustomed the, uh, to. And then they're like, "Well, oh my God, I got I got to keep on making movies because this huge movie came out and I basically blew it all the money that I made from it by buying a mansion and like a fleet of trucks and vans and and boats. Now I got to keep." Making movies. That's sort of the Mike Myers thing, too. Also, yeah. where they just... Because he hadn't made anything since the third Austin Powers movie. Uh, and they just... I mean, not a live-action thing. And they just keep raising... They just keep raising the dollar amount. Five million, no. Ten million, no. Fifty million, no. Twenty... Well, okay. You know, and they just raise it high enough. Everybody has their price. And, uh, you know, or you get a guy like... Here's like, uh, Tim Allen is another example. Uh, where, you know, because Tim Allen at one point went to jail for cocaine. Uh, it was either possession or distribution. Of distribution. He was selling it. His mugshot's fantastic, by the way. He's like full-on 70s brawny towel man. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tim Allen went to, uh, you know, went to prison. And he's one of those guys that I think realizes how close he came just to just to being washed into the gutter of life. And so, man, he didn't he didn't give an F. He'll just do anything. Elf, you know, or what is, what is it? Santa, Santa Claus, Claus 9? Sure, yeah. sign me up. I mean, see also Aerosmith. I mean, that's the thing with Aerosmith. Aerosmith... I mean, Steven Tyler really, he knows, that guy knows how close he came just to losing everything forever, which is why they just, you know, outside songwriters, fine. Guitar Hero, great. Endless Greatest Hits compilations, no problem. I mean, I love Aerosmith, but I mean, they, they kind of realized that they get, they got very lucky at a second chance, uh, which is why they just sell out like, like bastards. You know what, no? Tim, uh, Tim Allen's real last name, go. I have no idea. Dick. Tim Dick, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. I can't, hold, I can't hold against Aerosmith. Make your money when you can. Oh, no. That's, you know, I, I think we've left the era where selling out is considered is a problem. I, mean, I, want really. my own ro- I want my own rock star video game. It could be called <laughs> Snob. <laughs> that's what it'll be called. It'll be, it'll be called Hero. Guitar Snob, the Tim, Ryan, uh, the Tim Ryan game. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. You know what we should do? You and I should uh, bring our guitars in the studio someday and write a song. Yeah, because that sounds like a fantastic that's idea. That's a real creepy idea. Terrible idea. We can we can write a song on Let's the air. Let's bounce ideas off each other. It'll be like we a real life a bottle of wine. Some <laughs> <laughs> ideas. It'll, It'll be like that. a real life music and lyrics. <laughs> uh, you have to be Drew Barrymore. All right. That is a terrible movie. It's an awful movie. It is so bad, and I like Drew Barrymore and B. Jesus. Hugh Grant. Um, no, no, no. Uh, so awful. I forget what I had to skip to see that with my wife. We were in San Diego. And uh, when it last year, two years ago, whatever it was, we're in San Diego, and it was really unbelievably hot outside. It was like 104 degrees, and at the beach, and just blind, blazing sun. And we're like, you know, we gotta let's get out of the sun for a while. Let's go see a movie. And I forget what else was playing. Like there was something that seemed like a quality film, something that seemed really good. And I said, hey, look at this great quality film that we could see. And then, you know, and she did that thing. She looks at it, and she said, oh, that's good. And then I almost like it's like I could see her eyes just go to the other side, and she said. Or we could see music and lyrics. And at that point, it was like, I just wanted to get out of the sun. And I'm like, oh, fine, whatever. 
And I went knowing it was going to be bad, but not knowing it was going to be that bad. It isn't even funny bad. It's it not even entertaining It's just bad. mediocre. It's, it's just, it's so bland. It's just, it's so and awful. And that, that closing sequence where it's like he jumps on stage. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it. Where he jumps up on stage. I don't even remember how it ends. Remember he, he surprises her by jumping up on stage at the concert or whatever and singing like the custom lyrics that he's written about her. And he like points at her in the crowd or some crap. Oh, that's so lame. And you know, the thing is, I love Hugh Grant. I really do. I think he's a funny actor. He's a legitimately amusing guy. Especially in the last few years, post-Bridget Jones, when he's kind of learned to play a cad. Um, and, you know, Drew Barrymore's cute and America's sweetheart and all, but, boy, that's just a terrible film. And it could have been good. It could have been a really interesting film, and it's just not. Let me ask you this. I mean, is there a point where actors, uh, you know, during a film say, God, this is going to suck. This is horrible. Yes. Then why, well, do they, why do they keep making it? Well, what do you mean? Like halfway through the film? Right. It's kind of like a contract, if, Eddie. If, I, I yeah. know. Let's just put it this way. If you're a contractor and you're building a house and you're going, yeah, this foundation, as soon as somebody moves in, it's just going to fall down. Bad things are going to happen. You, man, I'm just tell you what, you ask, uh, you ask uh, Tim Riley, who's in the Screen Actors Guild. That's mm-hmm. a little That's a little thing called not being sued is what that's all about. And, and plus, you keep it's, making it? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, it's like, and plus, you know, because, it, because and if you walk off that film, uh, you will not get hired for the next film, which will pay you and which is good. That's the thing. You just got to suck it up, man. And the, the lesson is also read the script. It, because I can't believe that music and lyrics looked good as a script. It's not like that. It's not like better directing would somehow save that. Or no, no, no. We've just got to edit it differently. I mean, you could read the script for that movie and know it's going to be awful. I mean, it's, it's like you know, it's like reading the script for Santa with muscles and going, I don't know, with the right director, this will really be great. Santa with muscles is that a real film? Hulk Hogan, baby. Really? No way. Yeah. I, ne- I thought you were you didn't know Hulk Hogan, Santa with muscles. Yeah. Santa with muscles. That's seriously. I'm that's making what that one of my favorite movies right Look at, now. <laughs> you should you should get that one and then rent Suburban Commando and have a Hulk Hogan weekend. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Right Suburban now. Commando has the Undertaker as an intergalactic bounty hunter. No, really? Yeah. Santa with muscles, a 1996 movie starring Hulk Hogan. Santa with muscles. Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry. A man who, after getting amnesia, thinks he oh. is Santa Claus and then proceeds to beat up bad guys in order to save an orphanage. And has Ed Begley Jr. Clint Howard. Oh yeah. And you know what? It has, what's her name? Mila Kunis or whatever her name yeah, is? Yeah, Mila uh-huh. Kunis. She's in it, too. Um, by the way, uh, as of uh, now, it's rated number 37 in the IMDb's worst 100 movies of all time. <laughs> really? So there you go. Cool. I, and I'm looking at the poster for it right now. But I awesome. can't make the poster bigger. It's a, uh, Jesus. I mean, it just, it's just look at that. I mean, there's no way that you that anybody. Uh, it took three people to write this movie, by the way. He's naughty. He's nice, and he's coming to save Christmas. That's what I'm saying. He's Santa with muscles, and he's an overprotective, creepy father. That's that's also true. He's another guy, as you pointed out, that really, as, as opposed to spending time with his wife or son, he just hangs around with his daughter, shows her cans to everybody. Yeah, there's, it's you know, pretty weird. It's a, that's a, that's a, there's I a like lot. Billy Ray Cyrus. Seems like he might love his daughter he a little too much. He went to the Joe much. Simpson School of Parenting. Exactly. <laughs> Roman Polanski School of Parenting. Well, Brooke kind of looks like there's a no, younger version of his wife. Yeah. What? Brooke, Brooke Hogan, looks like a younger version of his wife. I suppose, but they've they both just been so plastic so, up, it's uh, hard to tell. So, Timmy, just stop that train of thought right there. Yeah. See? That's, see right there? That's a little see? thing called the line. There you go. That was funny because you didn't take it... One step too far. The line, population you, Tim Tim Ryan. Oh, so well, let's, uh, now one of my line. favorite movies is Santa with muscles. Yeah, no, it's it, like it it's almost it's ever. almost worth watching. I mean, almost. Oh, I'm I'm gonna go to CD Game Exchange and see if I can find it. It is stunningly bad. I mean, I'm I know it's hard to believe, but Suburban Commando. They made two Suburban Commandos, yes, by the they way. Did. One and two. Mm-hmm. So all right. Oh, and three ninjas kick back. <laughs> three ninjas <laughs> kick back. You're a tool. <laughs> uh, all right, here's Timmy Ryan. Let's let's do a penis watch. Let's do that, shall we? 
Take a look at my enormous penis. Oh, by the way, I have the best penis watch story. Uh, I mean, a story about the penis watch itself. Uh, let's see here. I want this to be my theme song. Well, you let me know how that works out. Uh, how about this? This is from Jerris. Rick. Our good friend Jaris Minsky, uh, who a uh, fine musical performer, actor, etc., and was in the who was in Emerson Starship. Rick, it was so badass the other night. Emerson Starship got together for a dinner party. After we were done eating, the waitress started looking around the table uh, at all of us and at Julie, who's the guy, the the, the prince dude, um, and said, "Hey, are you guys in a band or something?" He says, at that, we all started breaking out with the penis watch a cappella. We sang it in its entirety right there in the restaurant. It sounded sweet. Uh, the waitress walked off in fear, but other people at other tables clapped. Wish you could have seen it. So there you go. The penis watch busted out ad hoc in a restaurant. Awesome. Uh, Here's Timmy Ryan. Okay. This happened in Manila. A jealous man cut off his lover's penis and severed, flushed the severed part in a toilet bowl in their hotel room in the Philippines on Tuesday. Um, Jose Feliciano. Wow. Jose Feliciano. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? Do you know the way to my penis? Jose Feliciano Valderrama. Oh, that's less impressive. Oh, well. Okay. Was arrested after... Jose incident. Feliciano. The, best, the worst part about that is he would have no way to find it. He's blind. Dallas Navidad. Get it? Dallas Navidad because... He's saying police Navidad. Moving on. Anyway, <laughs> <too late. laughs> Jose Jose Feliciano Valderrama. Damn you guys was arrested after the incident and told police uh, that jealousy drove him to attack his partner of two years. Jose Feliciano. <laughs> By the way, can I tell you that I, the little amount of sleep I had last night was filled full of you guys heckling me? <laughs> it's true. You know, YouTube. We don't force you to be. I had all these. I had all these. You know. You know these radio work dreams, which all of us get from time to time. Where I was in the studio, and you guys were just nonstop heckling me for something. Did you have this recurring dream where you would tell a joke and then nobody laughed? That never happens. <laughs> because here's the thing: every time I tell a joke, it's always funny to me. <laughs> Maybe you're still asleep. <laughs> As long as it's funny to me, that's all that matters. Are we done with Mr. Jose Feliciano and his penis? Uh, <laughs> Mamma mia, what happened to my penis? That's the only, I, you know, it's all I can Hey, did this song make your top five whistling songs? Uh, no, no, it didn't. I figured it was sort of, it's a ringer. Hey, I want to point out that I once again brought my iPod, and for the second day in a row, you didn't bring We got an hour and a half left in the show, you guys. We do? Yeah. Oh, but we probably won't get to we it. We probably won't get to it, though. I mean, bringing extra stuff is out of my routine. It always messes me up. You ever have that a routine it's where you're like just grabbing stuff? It's like the smallest iPod I've ever seen. Bringing it's extra stuff. It's seriously, it weighs like an ounce. Is, that, is it Shelly? Is it your girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, but she, you have no, a drawer no. at her house? No, she upgraded and she gave it to me. That's nice of her to take pity on you. That's a radio girlfriend no, right there. No, no, before, before then I had one of those gigantic disc mans that just have, like... And yeah, I don't have, have any kind of iPod or anything. I didn't even... Doesn't he have, like, a, a battery cover? So every time I play a CD or whatever, like, the batteries pop out and scratch the hell out of the CD. All right. I'm just saying, you you really... I mean, you're living right into the cliche. Not unlike Aaron and myself, by the way. Creative guy with a stable mm -hmm. woman taking care of him. Yep. Giving She's you some, not taking care here, of him. Here, honey, have my iPod. I mean, she just... 
She just cooks Stay at my house. Let me cook for you. Uh, All right. Let me have a stable job. All right. I was going to say, what does she do for a living, if you don't mind? Oh, yeah. She's a nurse. She's, she's a trauma a nurse. nurse. Uh-huh. So Always going to be her just, people. I was just going to say, let me... let me be an animator. Let, let me tell you, as a man who knows, uh, that, <laughs> that is the classic... Uh, unstable guy, stable woman relationship. What are you Just talking about? Take it from me. I'm stable. I have the stablest job in the world. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm in radio. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. How you doing? What's up? Happy Fourth of July to you. Happy Fourth of July. Celebrate your independence by blowing up a piece of the nation you love. All right. Thank um, you. So, anywho, I'm down at the Pistol Skate Shop in Vancouver on Fifth Street, and I just heard that Nickel Arcade is on their way to come down here and play. They're going to rock? They're going to bring the rock. I don't know. There's going to be bands here all day. There's a big monster, tr- not monster, monster truck, but the truck for the energy drink monster. They're giving out free monster. They're barbecuing. Oh, good for them. Trying to set up a stage outdoors. Uh, bathing Bathory supposed to play. My band's supposed to play. What is your band, sir? Abortion. Pitch for the portion. So anyway, Why do I ask these questions? I want right. to collaborate with Womb Stretcher and do something, like a death metal version of, you know, Soundproof Van or something. But anywho, I was going to say, Nickel Arcade is supposed to be playing, and I know you guys are all hot for them, so... uh Yes, we're hot for them. Hot for <laughs> Rick's them. loins are ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm engorged with desire right now. Uh, all right, where are they going to... Where... Put it on the best of. Where, where is this at, sir? It's the Pistol Skate Shop mm-hmm. in Vancouver. It's on 5th Street. Um, downtown. It's kind of close to the fort. You'll be able to see all the fireworks and everything from here. And you won't have to deal with all the crazy traffic of the fort. It's wow. not too bad. All right, excellent. Well, but thank you, uh, sir. Tw- 2305 East 5th Street. It's a free all-ages event. Going to be bands and all sorts of stuff all day. So, you know, come check it out. Duly noted. Well, Happy 4th info. of July to you, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Did I tell you, you thanked in the new Womb Stretcher CD? I think really? we both are actually. I think the new Womb Stretcher CDs is like thanks to Rick and Sarah, the Rick Emerson show. Yay! So, uh, all right, that's a thing. Like I've never seen them perform. I just always bump into um, one or the other of them at the at. Um, Have you even bar. listened to the CD? No. I mean, it's you it's should. Actually, it's, it's funny because when I was out in my car, it's sitting right next to my driver's seat. So I will listen to it on the way home. I mean, it's kind of great and awful. I mean, it's you know. It is what it is. I it's mean, it's Womb Stretcher. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, it's horrible. I mean, in the sense that like it's just. I mean, it's just so, so unbelievably offensive in every way. I mean, it's just so screamingly offensive that it's impossible Maybe to be offended I'll bring by it. Maybe I'll the barbecue I'm going to be at today. That will either barbecue. have a great or terrible effect on your friends. Probably great, I'm guessing. Okay. Uh, so you can tell, I will say this, and I mean this sincerely, they put their all into it. They they don't do it halfway. That's all I care about. You know, if someone's doing something 100%, if you know, oh, they are. Thing, that's all I care about. Oh, no, they're going to wring every dollar they can of that <laughs> thing. So, um... That's the thing I can brag to almost no one about, by the way. Oh, my name is in this womb stretcher. It's like that womb stretcher T-shirt that my wife won't let me wear anywhere. Uh, so what? So, uh, top five break. Let's do the top floor. five, then we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, yeah, let's do that. We'll break. Uh, no, sorry. No, stop. Strike that. Reverse it. Yes. <laughs> we'll do the top five, then we'll break, then we'll come back uh, with Behind the Christmas, then we'll do some more news, then Ebenezer, I barely knew her. All right, excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, five, here's your top five. Fire. By the way, this email says, Rick, I'm sitting outside, of, this is Todd the Corpse, sitting outside of my in-law's house streaming your show. My mother-in-law just walked by as you shouted, here's your penis watch. Thanks for that. I was going to be proud, like, hey, I wrote this Christmas play that's coming up, but now I think I'll keep the radio turned down. Right. Oh, by the way, that's Todd listening in uh, Kennewick, Washington. The Lord gave us penis. There's no reason to not be proud of it. Right? Okay, then. 
Excellent. Uh, so I don't have the, the sheet in front of me, so either. we're just going to have to just roll these as they roll. So uh, I do remember the honorable mention, though. So. These are... And in, number two. Number two is the one... The, uh, or, uh, number five is the song we were talking about earlier. Okay. In the estimation of Aaron Durand, these are the uh, top five overlooked Queen songs yes. of all time. Honorable mention going to... The Flash Gordon theme. Flash! Uh-huh. Chris Morris. You shut up! Does this have a really long? No, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, it, it has. We can talk over this because um, well, we shouldn't. Saying it's great, but I'm saying my ende- my. Wow. Uh, no, it's uh, my enduring memory of Chris Morris from Bigger Than Jesus. Uh, Both of us, on, man. And because it's on that video, you know, Joni, if you're uh, there's that second disc that's all documentary stuff, and I remember Chris Morris being at the Bigger Than Jesus rehearsals wearing that Flash shirt. Oh yeah. And like his black leather jacket. He wore it to our Flash Gordon commentary. He was all. Yeah. Over I mean, what can you do? Ming the Merciless. <laughs> kind of an Anton LaVey thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Will you destroy this? Uh, Later. Later. <laughs> I like to play with things a while before annihilation. <laughs> Are you going to yell it? No. Yes, you will. No. You're going to want to. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, sorry, how you doing over there? You can't fight the Flash. I got me a woman. Ha ha! different one of us. First time Queen ever used synthesizers in all their for all the instruments. And well, this is, when, this is when Ming is hitting us with hot hail. So. Oh, this is a honorable ah. mention. I like it a lot. Doesn't get played oh. enough on the radio. I wonder why. Because people are fools. And so here we are. An angry little Timmy over there in the corner. Okay, we have to move on. I know. These are the top five. Uh, <laughs> the song doesn't really change. <laughs> overlooked Queen songs uh, of all time, in the opinion of Aaron Duran, number five. Ah. I spent. Like a good 15 minutes trying to find this on the Space. Radio Gaga. Radio Gaga. Yeah. I love this song. It's a great song. Uh, so this song is about MTV. Uh, and so here's an interesting little fun fact. The Freddie Mercury tribute concert, which happened in 1991 at Wembley Stadium. Freddie Mercury dies. Uh, and then they do this fantastic tribute concert. A lot of great bands, huge. you know. Huge. Uh, huge. I mean, Metallica, Spinal Tap, Def Leppard, Elton John, Guns N' Roses, Extreme. Uh, and then... This song got performed, and I forget who did it, though. Oh, George Michael. George Michael did this one. George Michael, and he sang uh, Someone to Love, too. Yeah. Um, And then, but this tribute concert was broadcast on MTV. MTV cut this song out of the broadcast because it's a song critical of MTV. So if you watch the Freddie Mercury tribute concert on MTV, when they came to this song, they just went to commercial break. They wouldn't play it. Because they're bastards. They are bastards. MTV sucks. Well, and I also like he also talks about radio dramas, not just radio yeah. music. It's a song about it is a song about the love of radio. Yeah. I love this song.
great song. Yeah. But it's about his fear that MTV would make people unwilling to hear music without images. How stupid he was. Well, he just, I mean, it was, a, it was a fear. I mean, it was a fear that people had. People thought that MTV was going to be the death of music. Well, we can say that now, but back then... It, I mean, back then it seemed like it a reasonable like fear. I mean, in, in hindsight, you know... Back you then, think, MTV execs were actually, would actually play music videos instead of stupid, mindless reality TV all day. I think he was sort of... I think there was a, there was a large fear, though, that it would strip people of their kind of... their imaginations. Yeah. Great song. All right, these are the top five overlooked Queen songs, uh, in the opinion of Aaron Duran. Number four. Uh, I'm going, uh, I'm going slightly, slightly mad. mad. This is a creepy song. Yes, it's a messed up song. Generally played back-to-back. -back. The, the other song is not on this list, but it is generally played back-to-back -back with Tie Your Mother Down. Yeah, I love that song. And the outside temperature rises. And the meaning is also clear. Free Mercury said he wrote this song after watching uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Really? And after like he said after like five bottles of wine, I was watching The Wall. I wrote this song. It has that great line. I'm only knitting with one needle. <laughs> Brian May said that that one line there actually came from during a party when this woman kept hitting on Freddie Mercury and he actually said that to her. Really? I'm not into pink, my dear. You simply don't have a clue. <laughs> These are the top five overlooked Queen songs of all time in the opinion of uh, Aaron Geek in the city. Duran. Ah. Uh, yeah. This one you guys had last week, too, for something. This was on... Album Top five enders. album enders, because mm. this is the final track on Innuendo. It's a heartbreaking song when you know the whole yeah. story behind it. It's beautiful. So you said he did this in one take. Uh, Brian May said that I when he, he recorded it... yesterday, or the day before yesterday. He might have, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, with the album recent, enders. Yeah. Yeah. Brian May said that he recorded this in one take. This is one take. And he was all frail, and he just, he was, you he know... Was dying. Not, yeah, he Literally, not, not like just, you know, just, you know, got AIDS. He was, because he died three weeks later. Well, if you remember, he died the day after after confirming it. Yeah, it's like on Tuesday he goes, "Well, I have AIDS." Wednesday, dead, dead. Yep. He actually he did die the the day after this hit uh, MTV. Also, really? Yep. I remember uh, the week after Freddie Mercury died, Billboard magazine ran a full page. It might have been the record company, but a full page ad, and it just showed Freddie Mercury. Like standing in a beam of light with his arms spread out, and then it chills. just and then it just had the lyrics written behind him on the page. When he died, I was a wreck. Oh, dude, it was. But here, I'm the only dude in Susanville that was into Queen. No one figured out why I was just for a week. I wouldn't talk. I was depressed. Oh yes, I was a mess. Oh, I had a, I had a friend of mine who was just just devastated uh, when yeah. Freddie Mercury died. And many of them worse when my grandfather taunted me that that's what you get for being a gay. Seriously, that's that's what uh, you get for defying God's yeah. law. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I don't think I was in high school. I think I graduated, but you I had a bunch died, of ninety-one, right? I had a bunch of redneck friends though, so I had to suffer through a lot of like, a bunch of like retarded, homophobic crap. Sorry. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you're just like, you know, get bent. This has the great line, and especially when you can. Can I just say? He said this was also a love song to Queen because he didn't want them to stop. He wanted them to keep going. This has the best Freddie Mercury moment ever to me, especially when you consider. That again, he was dying. He knew he was dying, and he has that line, and he just screams at the end when he says, uh, "He says I'll face it with a grin. I'm never giving in." Yeah. 
Oh, how yeah. great is uh, this? Oh, it just gives yeah. me the chills. What a great song. And then he has this, and then we're just playing the whole song, I guess. But he just has, <laughs> he has that great line where he says, uh, My soul was painted like the wings of butterflies, yeah. I can fly. Has this song been used in any movies, like the end of a movie somewhere? Maybe. I know, I mean, obviously, oh, no. you know, Who Wants to Live Forever has been used a million times. Well, not they wrote that, Highlander. But... Well, they wrote it for Highlander. Yeah. yeah. Wrote it in the limo after seeing a rough cut. Is that true? Yep. Okay, we have to wait till the I'll face it with a grin, I'm never giving in line. All right, top five overlooked Queen songs of all time in the estimation of one Aaron Duran. (laughs) I love this song. Just flamingly flamboyant. I one seriously. I mean, yeah. who didn't know he's gay? What? <laughs> Shocker. He's a, and this is all pre-synthesizer too. When they would do all of these vocals just with endless overdubs. Yep. The Flash Gordon theme was the first thing they used the synthesizer on. Anytime. I mean, they're called Queen. <laughs> this song is called Killer Queen. <laughs> I mean, hello. He used to go on stage with a unitard and a huge molestache and prance as he sang. Wearing a with a t- massive codpiece. <laughs> and wearing wearing a robe and a scepter. <laughs> yes. Hello. Have you seen the picture on my MySpace page? No. Uh, oh, there's a town in Switzerland that has a Freddie Mercury film festival. And they have a giant, like, iron statue. Oh, the statue, statue yeah. Doing the pose. I'm like, oh, I've got to go to this town. The city is Jesus. You're kind of getting really into this, Aaron. I really, I don't care. Uh, you know what? I don't Maybe you should dress up like Freddie Mercury for Halloween. I have I before. I've dressed up in the Komodo from the, the, the I don't know that Rhapsody Day. You could pull that off, Timmy Ryan. Are you saying that I resemble Freddie Mercury? I'm saying uh, you could t- give you the big mustache. You could be Freddie Mercury. You know who I'm, I'm going to find you a yellow leotard. What are you I'm trying to imply, Rick? Saying you look like Freddie Mercury. Get over it. Don't be a jerk. Seriously, I'm really curious to see what Sasha Baron Cohen does. I could see him playing Freddie Mercury. Absolutely. Oh, totally. Yeah, He's absolutely. He's doing the bio of him, yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. Uh, these are the top five overlooked Queen songs in the opinion of uh, Aaron Geek and the City Duran. You're my best friend, right? Yes. Yeah. This was almost our, uh, after we said our vows, this was almost a song we walked down the aisle to. This was Joni and Ken's wedding song, I think. Really? Yeah, I no. think when Joni DeRoshi and Ken got married, I think, I might be wrong about this, but I think this was their wedding song. It's weird, out of all their big U.S. hits, this one doesn't get played much anymore. And this one was pretty big in U.S. charts. I think it came like number three. Resurrected, uh, resurrected by Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead brought this song back. Oh, back yeah, in the that's right. Yep. Yeah, every few years, a movie comes out that kind of brings Queen back into the, the yep. limelight. And 
Excellent. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back, and uh, when we return, Rick Emerson's Behind the Christmas. Uh, later on today, we'll do a little more news with Timmy Ryan, and we'll have Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. He was a young Norwegian carpenter with a pension for making delightful toys. Little did he know that his trade would land him the career of a lifetime. But this story isn't all wrapped in fancy paper and bows. I was 43 years old. I was only 4 feet 5 inches tall with a 68 inch waist. One day I stood in the mirror naked and I said, God damn it, man, you're an elf. Now what are you going to do with your life? But after this rocky start, the king of all mistletoe found his niche, bringing holiday joy to millions. But his rocket sled ride to the top was not without. As God is my witness, I thought plastic bags were toys. And just when it seemed that this master of Mary had it all, it all came crashing down. Remember that device that came out, that thing, they called it the it? Well, they should have called it I got 10000 in a warehouse, and I can't even give them away. His life spinning out of control. This merry old soul finally hit Jingle Bell Rock Bottom. So the next thing you know, I'm in a Motel 6 uh, in Dubuque. Some strange girl in the shower and a beard full of dried vomit. But when it seemed that there was no way out, an old friend appeared from nowhere to rescue the prodigal Père Noel, former presidential hopeful Al Gore. Now, I know what it's like to be a washed-up loser, someone who's irrelevant and completely without value to society. I know what it's like to have no one believe in you. So I figured, what the hell? I mean, I'm not doing anything, and I'm just growing this gut and this beard. Did you notice the beard? Tipper says it makes me look hard. Revitalized and rejuvenated, this hairsuit holiday handyman reclaimed his rightful place as the keeper of the Yuletide spirit and the man the whole world calls Father Christmas. Join us now as we explore the story of Santa Claus behind the Christmas. The story of Santa Claus begins here, in the tiny fishing town of Hundergloven. Just a wink of an eye and a twist of the head from Oslo, Norway. It was in this tiny hamlet that Gunther and Consuelo Nicholas made their home. And where, on the first day of the winter solstice, they welcomed a bouncing baby boy. Inexplicably naming him after the milkman, Consuelo christened the boy Scout and set about providing all she could for him as he began his life. We never had much money when I was young. I had no shoes and I used to always complain until one day I passed a man with fake legs and real feet. Let me tell you, after that, I learned to count my blessings. What the family did have was love. They always made sure I had enough, even at Christmas time. I remember my father. One year he took odd jobs until he could scrape together the money for a Christmas tree. 
It was the best holiday meal we ever had. Scout's father made his life at sea, fishing with the other local men. He expected his son to follow in his footsteps, but Scout saw his destiny when he was about nine years old. So one night, I was putting ketchup on my tree, and I realized how well the red and the green went together. Well, I grabbed my mother's silverware, and I decorated up that tree to look all shiny and, well, you know, festive. And so the next day, after I desplintered my pants, I got to thinking, what if we had trees? Not for eating, but, but, but for decoration. And that was the beginnings of my life as Santa Claus. Needless to say, Scout's parents weren't wild about him using the family's meager food supplies for decoration. Some sacrifices had to be made. Rusty was a real good dog. Put a little relish on him. Uh, can we turn the cameras off? Please, turn, turn them off. As time went on, Scout became more and more serious about his new hobby. Creating decorations for the holiday season began to look like his calling. What Scout loved most of all was the joy his decorations brought others. I think the best thing I ever invented was flocking. <laughs> I mean, I, I would flock the tree, flock the neighbor's tree, flock the neighbor. Hell, sometimes I'd flock the neighbor's dog. <laughs> I mean... Ah, I was one mean flocker. And when the look on their face right after they got flocked, you know, <laughs> that makes it all worthwhile. His Christmas inventions quickly caught on, and young scouts' innovations were all the rage, though some were more successful than others. I had this idea to decorate the tree with fire. Yeah. yeah that one didn't really go so well. The following year, Scout's asbestos tree resulted in several lawsuits and reams of bad publicity. It would not be the young inventor's last brush with the dark side of success. I had this other idea to put faces, you know, faces on squash and other Gore-type products. Yeah, you never think to trademark those things. One Scout Nicholas item in particular seemed to strike a chord with the buying public. One night, uh, I was packing up my hide-a-bed when the whole bottom gave out. Springs went everywhere, all over the room, down the staircase. And then I noticed that springs could walk downstairs, alone, or in pairs. And they made this slinkety sound. And I thought to myself, a spring, a spring. It was a marvelous thing, and soon the whole world would know it as Slinky. And from that incident came the biggest selling product I'd ever had. And that's when I realized there's a lot more to Christmas than stringing your tree with pork chops and putting funny faces on potatoes. There's all kinds of dolls and trains and toys of every kind just waiting to be made. Scout's follow-up toys, the Slinky Dog and Slinky Train, met with similar success. Although one item, the Slinky Cane, met with disappointing sales. But Scout turned those holiday lemons into financial eggnog. Well, the settlements for the Slinky Cane almost put me under. So I knew whatever I came up with next had to be good. So if they don't want a cane made of flimsy metal, then what do they want? Well, what's something everybody likes? And I thought, candy. Scout's moment of clarity reaped a financial windfall. The candy cane was an instant bestseller, showing Scout that there was an untapped market for his holiday egos. It was time to take his dream to the world stage. Coming up, 
Scout finds success beyond his wildest dreams and temptations beyond his wildest imagination. Oh, I don't know. I'd say about 4,600 women, sometimes two, maybe three at a time. A lot of the times they want me to stay in the suit, <laughs> you know, for the whole thing. I've got pictures of the book. You want to see them? When Behind the Christmas continues. After years of struggle and financial heartbreak, 43-year-old Scout Nicholas of Hunderglöben, Norway, was finally tasting success. His breakthrough product, the candy cane, had opened the doors to a worldwide market of sugar plums and sleds. But despite a booming professional career, his private life remained a desolate igloo of solitude. I had one of those DSL connections, and uh, I used to uh, go into the chat room. I'd call myself... Ramrod 69. But, um, as soon as they find out you're an elf, it's all over. I'd say I didn't have a real date in five years. But all that changed one cold New Year's Eve. Drunk and alone, bathed in the warm glow of the television, Scout was startled by a knock at the door. I was watching Dick Clark introduce Kenny Rogers and kind of idly wondering if a 12-gauge would take off my whole head. When I heard a knock at the door, I was going to just ignore it, but whoever it was wasn't taking no for an answer. Opening the door that cold and snowy night, Scout was greeted by the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. A woman who herself was looking for something special. The St. Andrew's Spaghetti Feet. And between the snow and those Jaeger shots at the frat house, I didn't know where I was. Scout was smitten. She had all her teeth and no visible scars or prosthetic limbs. And when he opened the door, I thought it was Sebastian Cabot. I still didn't know where I was, so I just asked if it was St. Andrews. And he said... And I said, no, St. Andrews gone uh, bowling. <laughs> I'm St. <Saint> Nicholas. <laughs> and she bought it. <laughs> And that combination of hard liquor and blatant deception was the start of a lasting relationship. St. Nick had found his Mrs. Claus. After a whirlwind courtship, the couple tied the knot, honeymooning in Liechtenstein before making their home at Scout's new base of operations. The North Pole thing was supposed to be a tax dodge. They told me if I put all my assets in the Arctic, the government couldn't touch it. Well, then my tax advisor got killed in a government standoff, so... Uh... And that didn't work out too well. I mean, did you know that everyone has to pay taxes? Anyway, turns out I have to live there. So here I am. I knew I should have gone to H&R Block. His factory now ensconced in the tree-tinsel tundra of the North Pole, Scout turned his attention to marketing. The first change he made was a long time coming. I was trying out a whole bunch of names that I thought would sound better. I mean, Scout. Made me sound like one of those Indians on the side of the road, always trying to sell you turquoise jewelry and reeking of gin. I wanted something that had a ring to it. But finding just the right name proved to be a challenge. I thought maybe Nicholas the Great or Scouty the Elf, D.B. Cooper. I mean, the list goes on. St. Nicholas was okay, but... It cuts out the whole Jewish market, you know? And that's a pile of pastrami you don't want to lose. 
It was a drunken and babbling Mrs. Claus who provided the answer. Well, the sign painters were there, and they were doing the front of the factory. And I'm afraid I don't hold my arbor mist very well. So when they asked her what name went on the sign, instead of St. Nicholas, it just came out... By the time I found out, it was too late to change the sign, so I was Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. His new name in place, Santa began a full marketing assault on the Christmas world. His name and face appeared everywhere, from billboards to buses, and he became an icon to a world seeking holiday hope. Everyone, it seemed, wanted a piece of Santa, but keeping up with that demand proved a terrible strain. I didn't know anything about physics or atmospheric re-entry burn. I mean, the first time out, we lost seven of the eight tiny reindeer. Why don't you try explaining to a five-year-old at the mall why you reek of burnt reindeer hair? The technical challenges were just one part of the burden. To make his overnight delivery deadline, Santa had little time to spare. I mean, have you ever tried to visit 300,000 million homes in one night? The time zone changes alone put you over the edge. Trying to meet the impossible deadline often took a physical toll, one that Santa Claus only now will talk about. Um... I've got piles. Yeah. They're bad. Boy. <laughs> they itch. Well, you don't want to know about itching. And let me tell you something else. Bugs. In the teeth. Not so much in North America, but in South America. <laughs> they got mosquitoes the size of canned hams. His physical ailment shielded from the public. Santa's business continued to boom. But with every new hung stocking, nervous collapse came closer to knocking. Santa fought back the symptoms with a rainbow of highly addictive medications. See these? Marketing. Seven point O's. Take a few of these and you can fly through glass. Don't even feel it. And these, Paxil, they balance me out. Take a few of these and when an elf comes to me with a problem, I say, Hey, short round, don't sweat the small stuff. But rectal swelling and psychotropic medication were only mile marker one on this toboggan ride to despair. I swear, I thought the gun was empty. Santa's sleigh ride to hell continues. And later... I mean, she didn't look 15, let me tell you. <laughs> when Behind the Christmas continues. Within a few years of launching his merry master plan on the world, Santa Claus had everything he'd ever dreamed. Money, fame, and the love of a beautiful woman. So great was his popularity that Coca-Cola signed him to a five-year endorsement contract. But even this sweet deal had a bitter aftertaste for the maven of mistletoe. Do you know that Coca-Cola doesn't have any cocaine in it? I mean, what am I drinking for? The taste? Boy, those guys could use a lesson in marketing. And did you know that if you put a nail in a glass of Coke, in three days, you'll be gone. The sour feelings over his Coca-Cola contract were a dark sign of things to come. In the years following his dazzling debut, a host of competing holidays had sprung up to siphon off their share of the December dollar. Kwanzaa. First thing I heard about it, the wife says, turn on the TV and I see Felicia Rashad selling Kwanzaa cakes. What the hell is a Kwanzaa cake? 
And do they have Kwanzaa carols? Look, if there are no carols, it's not a holiday. Plain and simple. And, and Hanukkah, eight days of presents? How do you compete with that? To counteract this new holiday heyday, Santa Claus and wife Magdalena unveiled what they thought would be their salvation. So we thought, why not have a second Christmas in July? Call it Christmas 2! I still think it was a good idea. So then you start to hear the words sellout. And of course the media was just as cruel. That wrinkled bastard Paul Harvey, he's on the coal list for life. I'll tell you. After suffering near-fatal heat stroke while delivering presents in a full Santa suit on the hottest day of the year, Christmas, too, was 86th. But the damage was done. Overextended and overexposed, Santa seemed destined for the pile of disposable heroes. Like Dr. Laura. Putting his failed experiment on ice, Santa turned this minor setback into major catastrophe. Did you know that drinking antifreeze will make you blind? Boy, I didn't see that coming. Continuing his downward slide, Santa forgot about everything but killing the pain. He'd vanish for days on end, and, and then you'd get the phone call, Santa's in our bathtub. Well, you can't imagine how embarrassing that was. Along for this December deviance were a bevy of beautiful women all of whom were more than happy to provide Santa with illicit Noel Nookie. I did my best to be a faithful husband, but I'm only human. One time I was in Salt Lake City. Well, I come down the chimney and there's a hot little tomato. The only thing she's got on is a mistletoe garter. Well, after a while, it all gets to be too much. You say to yourself, I'm Santa Claus. I deserve a little Yuletide fun now and then. I mean, when you stop by Halle Berry's house and she meets you with four handcuffs and a bottle of scotch, I mean, what's a man to do? Sometimes being naughty is just so damn enticing, even for Santa. These nights of snow-covered sin left the married Mary Maker full of self-loathing, a condition he cured the only way he knew how, through rampant intake of chemicals. And you know, you tell yourself all kinds of lies when you're an alcoholic, you try to convince yourself that you're in control, but no matter what anyone tells you, vodka and trail mix is not a balanced way to live. I, I can see that now. But the compulsive Kris Kringle's chaotic cannonball into the swimming pool of drugs and depravity was far from over. Depressed and alone, he wondered if he'd chosen the wrong path somewhere along the way. I mean, you look at the little people in my life, and you see how their lives are, and you wonder, would I be happier? Billy Barty. Never heard one complaint out of him. And that other one, that black kid with the failing kidneys, he always seemed to have it pretty good. But his Lilliputian longings aside, Santa showed no signs of slowing his ride along Route 666, even when his alcoholic intake led to some grave mistakes. Did you know, I gave O.J. a house one year. I swear to Christ, an honest-to-God house. Hell, there's kids in Armenia would be glad to get a lump of coal, and I gave O.J. a friggin' house. Oh, the things I'd do over. But at the height of his fame and the peak of his powers, there was no time for second guesses. Every moment spent awake was spent dealing with the stresses of fame, fortune, and the increasing expectations of stardom. 
I mean, I get these letters from people who want me to give them world peace or love among all men for Christmas. I mean, why don't I just make the sun disappear? I'm not Doug Henning, you know. And don't even get me started on the lepers. Christ, you put on one big suit and a beard, and people think you're Jesus. I can't even fix my wife's gout, you know. Santa's holly jolly party folly sometimes left him unable to handle the day-to-day -day tasks of mirth-making. As he was drawn deeper and deeper into a web of drunken irresponsibility, his management skills reached a Noel nadir. Crucial decisions often had to be made by underlings, sometimes with disastrous consequences. Former head of Elfin Production and shop steward, Indigo Spitz. You know, we elves are a punctual people. Now, people don't know that about us, but if there's one thing an elf won't tolerate, it's missing a deadline. When Christmas comes, them toys gotta be ready to roll. Period. And if old Jingle Junkie can't get it together enough to help us out, then we gotta do things ourselves. That's when I step in. Sure, I majored in communications, but when the chips are down and you gotta get them toys out, I'm your man. Without Santa's holiday vision to guide them, the elves took it upon themselves to create and manufacture that year's holiday toys. It soon became apparent that their efforts, while sturdy and long-lasting, were not in keeping with the traditional spirit of the season. Now what you got here is your chopstick. I mean, the kids will love this one. I mean, what do you want from me anyway? It beats the hell out of that PlayStation if you ask me. Equally bad was a mass marketing flyer, which, due to a printing error, told parents to bring their children to Satan's workshop. The season was an unmitigated failure. Within a year, Spitz would leave the North Pole altogether, though to this day, he blames the man in red for the December debacle. I did what I had to do. I made sure that every kid got a present. If they didn't want a beard of bees for Christmas, they can take it up with Daddy. His new friends in tow, Santa spent long hours in a haze of narcotic stupor. Magdalena Claus remembers the night she knew she'd had enough. I just remember watching the American Music Awards. And there, in the front row, was my Santa. And with him was that no-good tramp, Courtney Love. Well, I thought he just got out for a pack of smokes. And there he is with that, that yeasty whore. Well, at that moment, I knew that something had to change. Coming up, Santa continues his never-ending slide into a pitiful chasm of blackness. Uh, who knew that Courtney would steal my songs and then dump me? And later, Santa's snow globe of sadness becomes ho-ho happiness once again. When Behind the Christmas continues. After the bitter, soul-crushing failure of Christmas too, Santa Claus had fallen further and further and further and further and further still into a nightmarish black abyss of drugs and kinky sex. The low point came in November when a home video showing Santa and girlfriend Courtney Love engaged in hardcore sex showed up on the internet. Despite a lengthy court battle, the video became an instant bestseller and cemented Santa's reputation as a man whose time had passed. 
Jorge's estranged wife continued to watch over the family business, convinced that a rebound was on the horizon. I mean, we always had the company, and that kept us above water in the lean years, although we had to make some sacrifices. I mean, it, the eight tiny reindeer had to go. We could only afford two huskies and a penguin. But Lady Fate had one more shoe to drop. Klaus family lawyer, Eli Zabransky. The so-called merry working elves were in reality underfed school children from Nicaragua. And to make matters much worse, the rightful owners of these children, Nike Incorporated, hadn't been paid for them in years. So that had to come to an immediate stop. The family business hobbled and his relationship on the rocks. Santa had nowhere left to turn. That's when a voice from the past emerged to lead Santa out of his private pain cave. Former Vice President Al Gore. Now, Scout was always there for me, and when the chips were down, he was a true friend. I know that he loves Magdalena, and that all he needed was a helping hand to get back on his feet. You see how I used the hand and feet together there? Uh, you know, got a couple bucks with some smokes. Al found the floundering Father Christmas holed up in a cheap hotel, drinking away his last few dollars on cheap wine and memories. He didn't look anything like the scout I knew. He was pale and he smelled vaguely of Ben Gay and stool. Can I say stool? I guess it's better than saying shit, right? Al convinced the winter wonder kind to clean up his act and to give Santa Hood another shot. So I got up, cleaned the larger chunks out of my beard and took a shower. And when I stepped out, I stood in the mirror naked and I said, God damn it, man. You're an elf. Now what are you going to do with your life? Coming up. I mean, all it takes is one look at Al Gore and you realize the danger of ruining your whole life. I mean, Christ Almighty. When Behind the Christmas continues. from the vanquished VP was just the catalyst Santa needed to set him back on the right path. With the help of friends and family, he slowly battled his way back from the brink of certain death. Fighting off the myriad demons of drugs, depression, and alcohol, he strove to rebuild his shattered life. You see this? It's my 90-day coin. I'm a new person now. One who won't be tempted by drugs or booze or promiscuous are you going to drink that? In his long and eventful life, Santa Claus has played many roles, from ecstatic elf to down-and-out December dreamer. But these days, the role that St. Nick plays is that of contented family man, doting father, and successful business merchant. His life once again on the straight and narrow, he relishes every chance to share the holiday cheer he loves so much with those he considers his friends and neighbors, the good little boys and girls of planet Earth. As time went on, Santa reclaimed much of what he lost. His business, once faltering, now flourishes. And as for Mrs. Claus, she's just happy to have back the man she calls St. Nick. People always say, how did you do it? Why did you take him back? And I say, I did it for the children. For the children, indeed. For without this general of jolly, this wizard of winter, 
this hero of Holly, this mogul of Mary, this titan of Tinsel, this chancellor of cheer, life would be just a little darker for the child in all of us. Good night and Merry Christmas. Coming up, Al Gore asked if he gets paid for this. Uh, excuse me, do I get paid for this? No. Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Thank you. Wow. Hello. Uh, so you just heard uh, Rick Emerson's Behind the Christmas, uh, a holiday tradition all its own. Uh, coming up here in just a few moments, we will have more news headlines with Timmy Ryan. 
Uh, we'll have speaks with Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. And after that, our encore of Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, our live radio play from last December. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show's uh, Christmas in July show. Back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. This is our annual Christmas in July show. Coming up here in just a few moments, we will have Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, a reprise of uh, last December's live radio play uh, starring uh, everybody here in the room and a whole bunch of other folks. Uh, written by uh, Joni DeRoshi, Todd the Corpse, and uh, myself. Uh, directed... I don't know how funny Timmy Ryan was in that. I, I have a question for you, actually. Yes. Ha- have you given any thought to this year's um, Christmas dilemma? I have. Okay. <laughs> the end. <laughs> directed in... by, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Uh, I'm directed by Joni DeRoshi and blah, 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 blah. I have an idea. Yes. It involves a song we did. Well, you got six months to make it work. No, seriously, like you could almost like have a, like, a play based around the song we did, and that could be the soundtrack. I like what I'm hearing. You, really? Yes. Really? That's a good idea. I'm failing it away right now. See, every time that I kind of like make you mad or make you look down upon me, I always come back with something. So you I kind of work your way back out of the doghouse. <laughs> you guys missed a wicked scolding during the break. It, was I, awesome. it wasn't a wicked scolding. It was, I, just, it was, it was I a, mean, um... we're all still jovial. <laughs> it was a, it was Some a little more bit so of a, uh, it was a, um, I think it was a firm but polite um See, I directive. ask Rick before I can do things now. I, I say, is this a good idea? And then he says, that's not no. no. You're asking me after you already did it. <laughs> well, no, no, hold on here. But I, 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 I just recorded this horrible thing. Can I play I, that? After I did something, I said, hey, is this a good idea? And you said, no. No, you, that needs to not happen. See, the thing so, you described to me. There you go. Too let's soon. Do a few. <laughs> let's do a few headlines here, and then we'll have Ebenezer. I barely knew her. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Timmy Ryan. And now, no. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Okay, it's kind of like saying, um, I left an open flame near a gasoline tank. Rick, should I take that flame away? And then you say, of course you should. And then I say, all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I can see you out. out. Okay. So, uh, I was trying to play crickets, but I think my computer's turned up. <laughs> it sure is. There we go. All right. All right. I, I can't believe how this could happen. Protesters interrupt President Bush as Independence Day ceremony for new citizens commences. You would sort of think that he would at this point know not to leave the White House because it's just going to end badly no matter where he goes. Yeah. Like, they just keep him. You know what it is? Just get a deck of cards and uh, some Minesweeper and you know just 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 stay home. Yeah. Stay home until January. Yeah. Just stay home. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Pain in my Peter. Here we go. The uh, the objective story here. Down the middle. Protesters made it hard to hear President Bush today. As he welcomed new citizens and marked Independence Day at the home of Ma, uh, Thomas Jefferson, that would be Monticello. You guys ever been there? No. Okay. Yes. Where's it at? You don't know that? That's in uh, Virginia. Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Right. That, that was the house of Thomas Jefferson, the plantation he once owned. As in the tradition, each Fourth of July, 
a naturalization ceremony was held in Monticello in Charlottesville, Virginia. I kind of find it funny that a naturalization for new citizens, foreign people and everything, is held at the uh, you know former home of where slaves were enclosed. It does, the government does seem to have no sense of their own irony sometimes. You are really right about that. That doesn't they, make any sense. They don't, uh, okay. Why Let's, doesn't he have it at, like, you know, Ellis Island? That see Ellis have you been to Ellis Island? Yeah. That place is righteous. Mm-hmm. They can have it at Ellis Island. Fantastic. How cool would that be? But no, let's have it at a former slave plantation. And then they play the Godfather Two thing. <laughs> let's do one more because we're gonna we're, otherwise we're gonna get behind uh, with okay, our Okay, fine, 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 uh, one more. Here we go. Um let's go out with a bang here, shall we? A study shows growing problem with teen drinking. A new federal study shows that teen drinking is becoming a bigger problem around the nation. It also estimates that forty percent of underage drinkers are getting their alcohol. Free from adults over 21. Probably a lot of guys who are appearing on that show um, to catch a predator. Steve Wing, the Associate Administrator of the Federal Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, calls the study successful. We had audio. All right. Well, we had audio. but I had a beer a little bit ago, so. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Timmy Ryan. Okay. I'm getting clapped. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado, we now bring you the second half of our holiday radio spectacular. This is Ebenezer. I barely knew her. Emerson Show presents Avaniza, I Barely Knew Her, an original production of AM 970, Solid State Radio, a proud member of the CBS Radio family. CBS is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Brought to you by Everybody's Garden Center, EcoPDX, CD Game Exchange, Super Digital, Jackpot Records, and say, Mom, nothing helps your kids grow up big and strong like Viso. With 17 vitamins and minerals, Viso Beverages, available in six wholesome flavors. This is the story of Rick Emerson and how he came to understand the true meaning of Christmas. We begin our story in the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The time, 11.58. The day, Christmas Eve. The Rick Emerson Show returns after this. Don't forget, we are live all day tomorrow while everybody else is running best of. We're here live all day Christmas Day because Rick Emerson cares. So uh, you stay right there. We'll be back after this. Don't you uh, go anywhere. Yeah, Rick Emerson cares unless you work for him. Oh, come on. Our holiday shows are always great. It's great for you because you have no life. I could be visiting my family and Tim could be, you know... Sitting at home on my $2,500 sofa, keeping the world at bay? Exactly. Oh, come on. What fun is that when you can hang out here with me? Oh, yeah. What was I thinking? I'm going to go get some Easy Mac. I'm going back to my newsroom. (sighs) Fine. Stupid, no work ethic, and stupid Christmas, and stupid. Hello, Rick. Lars Larson, in my studio? That's impossible. You know what's impossible? Giving free health care to a nation of scofflaws and illegals who are too lazy to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Got cancer? Huh. Get a second job, hippie. It is you. What are you doing here? I'm here to show you the error of your ways. For if you're not careful, you'll end up like me. Bloated, bitter, fat, pig-like, chunky, coated in a viscous sheen and sweat all the time, reeking of cheese and wearing into a plastic ass. That sounds horrible. It is horrible, Rick. And that's why... 
In less than an hour, you will experience a tired and heavy-handed commentary on your life as you are visited by three ghosts. Ghosts. That word has new meaning for us all today. For you will learn to not be consumed with petty devotion to your career anymore, but united with Tim and Sarah in their common interest of having a life outside of work. You will declare in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Something, something, dynamite. Today will no longer be known as December 21st. Today, for the purposes of creative license and dramatic expediency, we celebrate our Christmas Day. All right, I have to go polish my guns. It is Christmas. Hey, did you see that? See what? That disembodied voice. How can I see a disembodied voice? You know what I mean! Are we back from break? Later that program, during a commercial break, Rick is in the men's room, washing his hands and trying to convince himself that the morning's startling events were merely the delayed reaction of a bad convenience store sandwich he'd eaten earlier that day. When all of a sudden, he hears a strange sound outside the bathroom door. Lars, and a stupid, stupid, beady-eyed sack of flowers, stupid Lars. Rick! What? Oh, God, no, no, it can't be. I'm the ghost of Christmas past, dummy. Come out of there so I can show you all the stupid crap you did in the past that made you such an insensitive jerk. But sounds like fun, Jolie, but I'm in the middle of a show. Come on, Rick. You'll be back before break is over. But I'm in show mode. You come out here this instant, or I'm coming in there to get you. Fine. And you better not leave the toilet seat up. All right, fine. Happy. All right, so where are we going? <clears throat> Christmas Eve, 1989. Hang on tight. Oh, my God. It's the old high school radio station in Kennewick. And that's me. Yeah. Um, haven't quite grown into that nose yet, have we? You shut up! I was a late bloomer. Is there a point to this? Just watch. Rick, I thought I'd find you here. Oh, Susie, what are you doing here? I thought you were going to call me. We were supposed to go to that Christmas party tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. We can still make it if we leave right now. I can't leave now. I'm, I'm on the air. Um, no one's listening, Rick. That's not true. There might be. No, there's not. This is the third time you stood me up to play Dio for no one. <laughs> oh, look, look, the request line's ringing. What do you think of that, little miss? No one's listening. <clears throat> hey there, you're on the KTCV rock line. Hi. What's your name, caller? Steve. Where are you calling from, Steve? Prison. Okay, uh, what can I do for you tonight? I like your voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you have a request? Can we just talk? <laughs> hey, I'll get that Boston right on for you. Hey, what's your favorite radio station? I don't have a radio. Okay, hey, thanks for listening to you. You keep on rocking. <laughs> see? What do you want me to do? The audience needs me. Whatever, Rick. I'll see you around. She never called again, did you? Did she? Well, no, but she was a total slut anyway. Yeah, she was. Really? Uh-huh. She banged like half the A.V. Club that summer. The A.V. Club, Rick. God damn it. Oh, poor Rick. It's okay. I'm sure sitting alone in a room listening to Holy Diver for the millionth time was just as satisfying. Fine. Can we go now? 
as you wish. Oh, what the, the hell? Was I... Okay, I, I better get back to the studio. There you are. We're back in 30. What's with you today? You're acting all cracked out. Didn't you get your visa? More of everything good? Oh, no, no, no. I've, I've had my choice of six fine flavors, all of which are completely natural and chock full of vitamins and minerals. It's just that something weird is happening. Weird as in we have to talk about it, or weird as if I can finish eating my Easy Mac? What? What? No, no, no. Weird as in, you know, I'm, I'm hearing things and seeing things. Such as? Okay, like, I heard Jolie's voice, and then she appeared in the bathroom, and then she teleported us through time, and then we were in the past, in the high school, and she was with the, you know, in the, uh, in the time travel, and the, uh, <clears throat> never mind. Mm-hmm. Still seeing that shrink? Sometimes. See her more. We're back in ten. Twenty-five minutes later, Rick continues his broadcasts, although he is still shaken. All right, we'll uh, be back with the top five songs that are all Father Christmas by the Kinks. All right, uh, stay right there. Uh, we're going to be uh, the, the back after this. Uh, Rick, you, you seem distressed. No, I just, uh, I just need more coffee. All right. All right, Emerson, keep it together. You're not going crazy. Let's just get through this, and uh, we're going to go home and uh, eat some corn chips or something. The booby doctor is in. Oh, my God! I thought you'd be taller. Greetings and salutations. I am the ghost of Christmas present, and I am here to tell you that life is like a game of Team Slayer in Halo 3. You've only got a limited amount of time, and you've got to make the most of it. And if you don't treat your team with respect and consideration, they won't be there when you need them. Also, cheat codes are gay. Come on, I'm going to show you something. Oh, where are we? Look through that window. It's Sarah Dillon's dog, Muppet. Sarah just doesn't have the time to spend with the poor little guy anymore. Without her around, he's had to resort to diet of safety pins and grief. All because of you and the inhumane hours you impose on your crew. Look, I'm the only live and local program on the air, and people need that, especially during the, the holidays when everything else is canned. Don't you see? It, it, it's a public service. People need me. And Muppet's a dog. It's not like he's a baby or something. Muppet is her baby, you ass clown. But if that's not enough to convince you, let me show you something else. I know this restaurant. You should also recognize the lovely lady at the bar. Hey, hey, that's my wife. Yes. Alone on Christmas Eve, drinking wine at the bar by herself. Alone. Well, look, she understands. I mean, she knows how much my work means to me and stuff. <laughs> Whatever, noob. Wait a minute. Who's that guy sitting down next to her? I don't know. Let's listen and see. Hello there, pretty lady. Can I buy you another glass of wine? Oh, oh, I'm married. Married, huh? What kind of man leaves a fine-looking woman like you alone on Christmas Eve? Well, he's working. His his job is very important. He's on the radio. Sounds like a real jerk to me. No, he's he's just busy. I bet he doesn't even remember your birthday. Now that you mention it. Uh, you know, I used to be stressed out about my wife, but then I learned to broaden my mind a little bit. I'm talking about L'Amour, as in to swing. You, you know, I think I'll pass, uh, but I know a Vietnamese phone screener you might like to check out. All right, fine. Have it your way. But radio will never keep you warm at night. 
Dude, you totally got burned. You should die in a fire. Okay, but my holiday shows make people happy. The eight people actually listening to your show might be happy, but Sarah and Tim and your wife most certainly are not. So think about that and tell Sarah she's as hot as balls. The booby doctor is out. Okay, then what the hell is going on? Jolie, the booby doctor... I feel more confused than Steven Seagal during a radio interview. <clears throat> Holy crap! Did I just do a Family Guy-style cutaway joke? What is wrong with me? Uh, hello, Rick. Have you prepared that penis watch for me? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm having kind of a weird day. Weird as in we have to talk about it, or weird as... Well, you're getting that penis watch. What? What? Have you seen anything odd today? Hmm, as a matter of fact, I saw an FMDJ in the hallway and he appeared to be... Sober? That is odd. Is that what you're talking about? No, uh, never mind. I'm gonna go get some water. Are you really doing a Christmas Carol parody? That's fresh. I've seen episodes of Caveman that are funnier. Peter Carlin? Is that you? Why can't I see you? Why does it sound like you're on the phone? Way to introduce me by saying my name, followed by awkward expository narrative. A very ham-fisted of you. Did you learn that in screenwriter school? Huh? Did I ever tell you about that time I was hanging out with the Beach Boys and Paul McCartney? What do the Beach Boys have to do with this? Nothing. I just like to reminisce about how awesome I am. <laughs> like I'm going to be your ghost of Christmas future? Whatever. I wrote for People magazine. Uh, okay. Um. So... Uh... What, so uh, I don't even get a ghost of Christmas future? Great. Thanks. Thanks so much. Hello, Rick. Uh, uh, hello. 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 Hello, Lisa. Listen, I, I don't have much time. Jason and I are going caroling, and after that we're stringing the tree with cranberries, popcorn, and three different kinds of garland, then the horse-drawn sled, and... Finally, Hot Toddy's by the fire while reading aloud from a leather-bound $21 million copy of the Magna Carta. Um, okay. Rick, this is about your future, about the danger of spending too much time at work and not enough time with your family and friends. I'd make some astute historical analogy, but I think it will be easier for you to understand if I say it's like that episode of Small Wonder when the dad spends all day fixing Vicky the robot instead of preparing for Jamie's birthday. No, 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 no but, but Lisa Desjardins, in that episode, the neighbor, Harriet... That's what I'm talking about. You're not listening to the people around you. You don't know the effect you're having on your co-workers. Come with me. I'm going to show you what happens if you don't change your ways. I'm Timmy Ryan, and this is four hours of your life you'll never get back. Britney Spears recently said she'll do anything to get her kids back. And by anything, she means cocaine, heroin, vodka, and any other myriad drug she can get her scabby hands on. Because she's irresponsible and does drugs and can't stop doing drugs and being irresponsible. And that's what she means by doing anything. Get it? Exactly, Timmy Ryan. It's funny because I'm rested. Rested because I got some time off. I got to hang out with Muppet and see my family. Man, I am just so rested. Thanks for the vacation, Timmy Ryan. That was very thoughtful. Never has my news been more accurate, my weather warnings more timely, and my life in the suburbs more serene. All thanks to you, Timmy Ryan, best boss ever. I love you, Timmy Ryan. What is Timmy Ryan doing in my studio? Why are Tim and Sarah not on my show? Show? You have no show. 
You were so wrapped up in yourself, you lost everything that mattered, Tim. And Sarah left you, your wife left you. And now... What? You're one of those people. What's the whose people? What people? Street people, Rick. Gutter punks peddling their shoddy wares on the street corner for a few meager coins. Shoddy wares? See for yourself. Uh, Batman is better than Superman. Uh, Charlotte Ray was Mrs. Garrett. Gobots came before Transformers. Excuse me, ma'am. You want to hear me talk about Motley Crue? I can name all 29 Kiss albums in chronological order. Please? Oh. Oh, hello, you, you, sir? Spare some change? I know stuff. <laughs> well, well. Seems the glove is on the other foot now, isn't it? Yeah. Wow, Art Alexakis. Hey, uh, uh, I'll make three pop culture references for a quarter. Huh. I'll give you a dime. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh... All right. Uh, uh, Deborah Winger was the voice of E.T. Uh, Alice Cooper's dad is a Mormon minister. Uh, hey, who remembers the Noid? <laughs> Ten cents, please. What? Oh, oh yeah. All right. Here's the money that I owe you. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Art Alexakis. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Rick. What do you think of the future? My God, what a fool I've been. You were right, Lisa. Of course I'm right, Rick. I was a mathlete. Take me back. Maybe it's not too late. Rick once again finds himself in the halls of the radio station, now nearly empty, as most of the employees have gone home to be with their loved ones. Oh, I'm back. I, got, I made it. i got to get to the studio right now. Merry Christmas, cubicles! Merry Christmas, vending machine! Merry Christmas, you broken-down old deserted FM station running automated voice tracking from Tulsa! Sarah! Tim! What time is it? It's 2.58. I didn't miss it. There's still time. Sarah, there's still time. Yes, there's two minutes. Then I get to leave and come back tomorrow. Hooray. No, no, no. no. Don't you understand? Don't you see? We always talk about having the best audience ever. And that means that, you know, the audience understands that we have families and friends and that sometimes we just need a break. And they know it means that when we do take time off, we'll come back rested and happy and full of exciting stories about our grandma who gums all her food or that uncle who always tries to kiss me. And we love the audience, but more importantly, the audience knows we love them. And they know that we'll be back. Uh, unless we get fired. God bless us, everyone. This has been a Rick Emerson Show production of Ebenezer. I barely knew her. Directed by Joni DeRoshi. Written by Todd Warkoven. Joni DeRoshi and Rick Emerson. Starring Rick Emerson, Sarah X. Dillon, Tim Riley, Big Jim from the Marconi Show, Jolie from Accounts Payable, Sarah Wagner, Court from Rock 101 KUFO, Aaron Duran, The Lovely Laura, Peter Carlin, Lisa Desjardins, Timmy Ryan, Fat Boy Roberts, and the I Barely Knew a Voice. Musical effects by Dave Lee. Sound effects by Jaris Minsky. Production assistant Richie Bristol. This is Patrick Rochelle from everyone at CBS Radio to everyone out there. <laughs>
Merry Christmas and the happiest of holidays. We're geniuses. Indeed. All right, fantastic. Right. There you go. <laughs> Tool. I love that. I love you, Timmy Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, at the risk of just being, ah, screw it. That's fantastic. At the risk of nothing. I've forgotten how great it was, mm-hmm. really. Because, you know, I think because we did that, but it's all, like, doing it is just a blur. How long is that? 19 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, 19 minutes. Yeah, I think we thought it was going to be half an hour, and it just zipped by. I mean, it just just blew by. Um, I like all the little moments. Who didn't realize we had to kind of just improvise right? Like the part where Jolie's talking to you through the door. Right. We didn't know how to... Uh, it's like the book door. in front of her face, I shoved right? the book in front of her face yeah. as she began to deliver the line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and just... I sort of... I We did it in, in December, and then I haven't listened to it since then. So it was good to hear. Boy, how great is Patrick as the narrator? Oh, though? he's fantastic. Yeah, it's just fantastic. so amazing. Really. Say, Mom. Yeah. Uh, he's just really, really exciting. You should have him cut commercials all the time in that voice. Ah, uh, hire him as the CBS mm-hmm. voice of yesterday. Yeah. All right. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Uh, I like what I'm doing. You should have him do it. Or just, do you have to stick with one voice for imaging? We can have him do it. That'd I mean, and then he did a bunch of the stuff. Yeah, I think he did the, and now the Rick Emerson roast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's right, because yeah. he did the, um, why, look, it's the Richie. Pimp Squad. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other guy. And the other guy. All right. Maybe next time, boys. <laughs> Bender's a genius. <laughs> All right. Uh, one minute. Uh, all right. Uh, Aaron Duran, what's yes. up at FilmFeverRadio.com? FilmFeverRadio right now, episode 105, where we review Gonzo, the life and times of Hunter S. Thompson. And we also announce how you can win press passes to The Dark Knight, a Warner Brothers poster of The Dark Knight, and a pristine copy of The Killing Joke. Why, that doesn't seem possible. What? I don't know. I was like a Dark Knight, <laughs> press passes to The Dark Knight. How do you get press passes? Oh. <laughs> you have to be a member of the media. Oh, I, I know. I'm working on getting mine. Fingers crossed. I, I know. How come, how come a podcast gets invited with CBS Radio gets... <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, but don't forget, by the way, uh, so it is uh, less than two weeks from today. We'll be doing our midnight screening of The Dark Knight mm-hmm. at the Tigard Cinemas, uh, the Regal Cinemas in Tigard. Go to 970.am, scroll down to the Why So Serious poster, click on that, and you could be seeing The Dark Knight uh, Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, uh, on the 17th slash 18th, with all of us uh, at the Regal Cinemas in Tigard. Uh, we'll have... Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's we're tonight so entertainment, yeah. and uh, we're going to be giving away Dark Knight uh, merchandise and just all kinds of stuff. Merchandising. We put the picture's name on everything. Spaceballs, the flamethrower. <laughs> Nerd. The kids love this one. <laughs> we want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenman for joining us today, and uh, so forth. Uh, also, Aaron Durant from GeekInTheCity.com and FilmFeverRadio.com. A new episode up now. Uh, like us next. Michael Maris show at seven. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and everybody by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom. It's been Timmy Ryan in for Tim Riley, who returns Monday. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, uh, director of engineering, Brian Jones, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Please have a safe holiday, and we will see you all back at 10 a.m. on Monday for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it. I'm huge. Bye now.